cool. All right, guys, welcome to the Cleveland Moto Podcast. We are at episode number 361. Here you go. Here's to you. Mr. Kromke, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Noble Beast Schwartz beer. Ooh. Oh, that sounds good. What's that all about? It's a it's a dark German lager. Wow. And it's actually, I mean, it's a it you know, it's got a lot of flavor, but it's probably pretty low alcohol. So, the, I, I'm drinking a Rheingeist, but this is a very this is a very uh, rare Rheingeist. Is that an AMA? It is. I was digging through my garage trying to find my circular saw, and I found a bit of shit from fucking my garage in Cleveland Heights. Yeah. In it was about seven or nine uh, Rheingeist beers from uh, Dan ha- ha- Hostek. Yeah, Don, Dan Hostick. Uh, yeah, from, uh, uh, you know, mid-Ohio. So <laughs> so in uh, in Kromke's trailer, in my trailer, there were two sixes of that in the trailer, along with a, a sixer of, you know, Gatorades and, and a whole bunch of Dr. Pepper or, you know, whatever. So, like, all the beverages that the Misfits had bought or somebody else had bought, that all the stuff that just stayed in the van or stayed in the trailer, when I finally had to, you know, use the trailer uh, and empty that shit out, uh, it was hilarious because I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that stuff was even in there. And it's funny because all the times I've been at the warehouse and been like, oh, I could go for a beer right now <laughs> and right forgetting there. that they were in the trailer. And there was like 40 beers in the trailer. Well, what happened to the 50 bottles of brown liquor that we got at fucking Mid-Ohio? So there's, uh, so there's four of them that made it to the shop and they're on top of the fridge. Right. There's two of them that made it into my van that I, I sequestered away and put in the van because I was like, we're not drinking those until it's, you know, until we can appreciate them. Right. And so those are here at my house right now. Very nice. So I got two good bottles that are podcast listeners brought us, and, and then the bottles that ended up at the shop. So, yeah. And then me and John gave away about 10 walking <laughs> around when John, when John was the whiskey fairy, we, we walked around and, and, you know, he gave out like, Nobody's going to be mad at you when you show up no. at one thirty in the morning and say, "Hey, would you like a nice thing of Vogger Lowen or whatever the fuck it is?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's like, "Yeah, you're my best friend now. Who are you?" And like, yeah, hey. you're, you're giving away pulls of Glen Gooley at three yeah, in the right. morning or four in the morning. <laughs> I do like when John turns into the whiskey fairy. That's a fun fucking night. It's a real good time, man. Yeah. That is a real good time. Oh, we got a grumpy sewer guy joined us. Oh, I can't hear him though. You're muted. Oh, he's no, he's not <laughs> muted. No, he's muted. So what? Nope. No, no. Yeah, voice, we, can, dude. we can see his lips moving. You look great though. This is probably the best camera that you've ever looked, but we don't hear you. Well, there's a bonus there somewhere. He normally has like a pinhole camera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. You can only see him if you hold him up to the sun. <laughs> but he's got to get on. Everybody misses him. We haven't talked to him in a month. I know. Oh, no. There oh, you go. Yeah. yeah. Well done. What's up, Steve? How are you, man? Sleepy. You woke me up. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I did send him a direct text. It was like, fuck you. Get on the podcast. Yeah, sorry. My, my son came over and we were looking at AR 
10 lowers and AR, you know, 300 AAC blackout uppers. And <laughs> we went over the whole fucking thing. So, so I want to do an eight. I want to do a three. I want to do a blackout uh, build. So, right. I just think that would be a good, good, fun thing to use. Like as a plinker. Cause you could set, you could put a suppressor on. Yeah. Yeah. You can put a suppressor on it. The problem is, if you've looked across the board at ammunition right now, it's uh, it's really it's really expensive to feed a gun right now. It depends, it's, you know. I get I get these uh, like sales and Winchesters, and I know Winchester ammo is not the best in the world. Yeah, but they have these sales now, like thirty three cents around, like for a three eighty auto, which is cheap. You can't even yep. get three eighty auto. Yep, you're running a, like twenty five cents around for forty five. They have five fifty six nine mil- nine millimeters, like dirt cheap. Yeah, so you buy them when you see it. You know, you see the pass that. I, I only run brass, so yeah, pass that along to me because. I've got a lot of wolf, you know, a lot of uh, Russian and Chinese ammunition stock pl- stockpiled away, but um, yeah, I that's that's good pricing. That's really decent pricing. So and I'm yeah, trying to pull cool. the trigger on a, you know, I go to that gun club. Yeah, and I feel like a neophyte shooting ski with my like pump gun or my like semi-auto. <laughs> so they have a, a like a cheaper Hatfield. Mm-hmm. It's a Turkish, you know, they make them in Turkey, but yep. nice over and under 28 inch over and under with, a, yep. um, I can't I always get them backwards. They're not ejectors. They're extractors, you know, extractors so that yep. you don't like the uh, cartridges don't fly. Yeah. Yeah. So you want an extractor when you're shooting skeet. So you just put yep. the spent stuff in your pocket. Yep. So it's the perfect skeet gun. And it's in that, uh, that, uh, Creo coder that like that ceramic coating over yep. blue and it's a nice looking and it's got hickory everything for four twenty. That's really something. It's a good yeah. deal. I mean, yeah. if if the you know if the if the selector holds up, you know that's yeah. it looks like a weak point to me. But but I mean, at least then I could go to the I could go to the skeet thing and be like you know I'll get my little vest and you know i can i wouldn't be like that douchebag with a semi-auto like bam, 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 bam. <laughs> well you just described me to a t yeah and you know i don't and it's more fun to do with a semi-auto anyway yes. especially when you punch it out and you got six rounds in there it doesn't really matter you can shoot all day long and just <laughs> <laughs> and, when, and when you're as blind as me you're hitting everything you know you're just like <laughs> trees killing the squirrels shooting the birds you know it's it's fun yeah i think for for when i was a kid there was that thing where you would go from a side by side or an over and under when you were learning a little 20 gauge or something like that and you'd have that and then eventually you'd graduate to a gas operated gun you'd graduate to something like an 1100 and you'd have the 1100 and you'd be able to you know shoot and be competitive with that and then there was this weird thing that happened, this reverse technology where it was like, well, you're not really serious if you're carrying the automatic. You've got to get an over and under. And it was like, it was just peer pressure. And it was the yeah. only reason I bought an over and under was surely just peer pressure of like, oh, well, yeah, you, you know, having that extra round, you know. Well, part of the game is that you you can call if th- you can call the third round, you know, right. and uh, 
you know, it's built into the game. So, yeah. uh, so it is kind of a funny thing, that idea of like, I'm going to voluntarily restrict my ammunition to two rounds when so many of you know the parts of the game are played with two birds in the air at the same time. So, yeah, it's a really funny thing, but sure as hell, man, everybody, uh, everybody who has an automatic always says they're going to buy uh, an over and under. And uh, for the people that don't understand guns, uh, we're sorry, but they are it is a sport <laughs> so. yeah, it's a sport and, and the thing is too it's like i respect i have i've always respected like anybody older than me i mean i yes yeah. my grandfather raised me yeah so like all the people older than me have like i've always had great i've had great respect for you know like so so it's like the club and you know how these clubs are it's like oh, yeah. there's not that much interest in uh, younger guys don't have that much interest in shooting clay Right. Maybe some of the sporting clay, they go over there. But all the old guys, every single old guy has an over and under. They have their, I mean, they have their little attire and they tell you what to do and they walk out with their guns cracked open over their arm. You you know the whole drill. I grew up with it, man. (laughs) Uh, So I feel like, you know, out of respect, I mean, it's like almost like a respect thing. Like I want to be like, well, this is what you're telling me I should do. Right. And out of respect, I want to be like, I don't yeah. want to be like, I don't want to be like you, yeah. but I want to respect your, your, uh, your love of the, like your sporting nature of the. Of- in skeet and trap, there's a lot of drill and ceremonies. So there's a lot of drill and ceremony with skeet and trap. There's a lot of history. And as a kid growing up, we were poor. The one rich person hobby that we had was we shot skeet and trap. And uh, we did it by making our own shells. You know, we would make shells and that took the expense away. So by being a member of the gun club and knowing that we didn't have to actually, you know, pay the money for the round that somebody would be paying for if they were just going once a year or something like that. Um, making our own shells that cut the cost way down and that made it something and as young kids that gave us something to do is going around and picking up every single freaking hull so picking up all the shells picking up all the empties that gave the little kids a good reason to be there as they were graduating into going out and having their first 410 and shooting a round of trapper skeet you know with a 410 and uh i remember i was so young when i started that i had a 410 an old break open 410 single shot and when it would come time for the doubles they'd throw you two singles so they throw you a single you'd reload and you take the next single so you still had the chance of getting a 25 score at the end of the round now awesome i mean that's the way you gotta boost the kid's ego that's exactly right you got to give the kid a chance and so he's getting scored up on the wall with other other people you know So that was a, it was a fun thing for being a little kid and kind of going up and growing up in that trap and skeet environment. I know exactly what you're talking about though. It is, it's a ritual. Yeah. Yeah. It just like wine glasses. Like to me, people drink wine now Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's almost like blasphemy when I see people drink wine. They have stemless glasses, which to (laughs) me, like why don't you just drink it out of a coffee mug? And then... (laughs) You know, like there's three different size glasses for everything. You know, like there's glasses for pork. There's glasses for there's glasses for red wine. There's glasses for white wine, and there's water glasses. And everybody drinks their fucking wine out of a water glass now. <laughs> they fill it to the top, and when they drink it, they're just like, Bleh. it's like there's no ritual to it anymore. It's like 
I want to smell this thing before I do it. I want to like, I want to make sure it's a, a good bottle of wine, not just a fucking bunch of grape juice, you know? And it's like, there's no ritual anymore. And it's like, they're just so like my dad would say, you're so fucking gauche. <laughs> and it just drives me crazy. It's like, when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, give me a red wine glass. Right. <laughs> tech, but I'm like, I want a red wine glass. I don't want a stupid stemless glass. I shove that fucking thing up your ass. <laughs> I hate stemless glasses. So, to so you guys, this, this wake me up, Cinch. You woke me up. I'm on a wine glass tear. Yeah, you're fucking going nuts. But here, I got something for you. So, to the skeet shooting and stuff. So when we were ripping on the ice the other day, I invited my neighbor over and he didn't show up. And I was like, wow, what the fuck? So he sent me an email or he sent me a text and said, dude, so sorry I didn't show up. I saw you guys were having the time of your lives. Um, his neighbor, or no, his old roommate called him and ended up showing up so he couldn't come out. Anyways, he was like, I love everything you guys are doing. I'm so bummed that I didn't get to see you guys killing yourselves on the ice and all this stuff. So then we started talking about skeet shooting. He was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I got a couple of machines. I got an automatic one. I'm sure you guys have a few. That's fine. We'll do that over your pond. But when, you're, when your boys are ready to bring their big shit over, let me show you something. So then we walked out in his backyard. They have a full-on target with fucking uh, a dirt stopping. You can shoot yeah. a cow in their fucking, like, so whatever you guys have that you want to shoot, just give me a week's notice. I will talk to Phil Guy, and Phil Guy will like, no problem. So we can come, we can ice race, we can do things, and we can also shoot 50 cal into his fucking sand-pitted dirt fucking piles that are ready to shoot whatever you want into. And on top of that, he was like, and then there's one neighbor who's an asshole, and he's down over there, and he'll come running down and say, are you guys allowed to do this? And then I'll call the sheriff, who is one of my best friends, and he'll come and shoot with us, and he can go fuck off. So, <laughs> So when you guys, I know you guys have a lot of interesting guns that do a lot of interesting things. And if you want to shoot them, my yeah. neighbor has the place to do it. Got the place to do it. Anytime you want to do it. So the next time we have an ice racing thing, bring whatever weapon you want to shoot too. And after we kill ourselves <laughs> on ice, we can go and shoot at his place. Well, I wanted to I have some time. I wanted to bring my stun book for this weekend. What's that? I have some time booked for this weekend. I told my wife I'm probably going to be coming out there. Oh, yeah. Your snow machine's covered in about four feet of snow. A drift has totally taken it over. So, nice. So my yard right now is a series of nothing and five foot. So, like, Beautiful. like all, it's all like this, dude, the whole way. My cars, me and my wife's car this morning, on both sides of it was nothing, and then the snow drift just encompassed both of them. Like, yeah. there was no cars. It was really interesting. So. John and I got mine running. Oh, you got your snow machine? Yeah, he said you got your snow machine running. How really? That thing scream. That engine is a screamer. Wow. Yeah. We made it about a hundred yards, and then I broke the throttle cable. <laughs> and I had to tow him out with the quad. Oh, in, oh. in typical fashion, I fell off. I thought he was gonna roll it. He's he's on his tear. He's ripping. He rips all the way up the driveway. He turns around, he comes ripping down the driveway, and I'm like, he's going to die because it's got about a quarter inch of suspension. <laughs> he, he veers into the landfill, and then he proceeds to make this turn, and the thing starts rolling over. And I'm like, 
I was trying to turn it wide and then I hit a big snow drift and it was like, whoa, I didn't get on the inside of it enough. And Don is a professional failure because he came over the other day and, and the lake was flat as shit. No snow on it, all ice. Dude, Phil, he was ripping. We both were ripping the fucking studded tire bikes at fucking yeah. third gear status. It was fucking on. But nice. he pulled out the fucking quad. We're doing all these crazy donuts. So I get on it. I'm doing flamingo donuts. I did so many donuts. I was fucking sick to my stomach. But the fucker didn't hit record on any of it. All I have is him. I have John doing 9,000 fucking donuts. But the flamingo fucking almost puked my brains out donut. Nothing. Not one fucking frame of footage, man. Thanks, John. We'll have to have a do-over. Do-over. Yeah. Well, we broke the shifter off the quad, though. That's the problem. It was welded oh, really? on, and it's no longer welded on. <laughs> Roll hot melt, steal that back on. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That does sound good. So, Are you guys thinking about... Machine? What is your snow machine? What is it? It's a 1980 Blizzard 7500 Plus. It's got a 340. It's... Um, Probably the same carbs as what John has, but it's got dual expansion chambers, liquid cooled rotary valves, and the things. The thing they say he puts out seventy five horsepower for a three forty. Wow! And it, I mean, if it had any tread left on the back conveyor belt, <laughs> it would be it would be scary. I mean, it's scary fast. Once you get it moving, it's scary fast, but there's no braking and there's no, like, once you start sinking in the snow, if you slow down, forget it. You're going to get, I mean, it was, John was doing pretty well on it. Better than that's me. The, that's the ski do. Is yours black or yellow? It's orange and black. It was orange. It might've been, it might be an 81. I don't know. It yeah. might be an it's it been rebatched as an Oakley thermonuclear protection sled. <laughs> but it's got the two little like vents in the front. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I just ordered the parts for it. So I should have them here by like Monday or Tuesday. Oh, so it's got the smooth hood and the headlights up by the handlebars. It's got, yeah, it's got the single headlight. Yeah. It's got a little, it's got a little uh, fairing, like a little bubble fair, like a little bubble windshield. Yep. So when you it's took like over, a, it's, it's all squared off. Though the front end squared off, yeah. but it's got v- these two like snout, like two nostrils. Yeah, the-, the nose of it looks like a Firebird, but then it's got like two Lamborghini scoops on it. It's really kind of. I mean, like I was telling John when I was a kid, for 50, you know, 10, 15 years, I had a picture of this exact oh geez snow machine on my wall. Because I thought it looked, I mean, back then, it was the coolest machine out there. When you got it, did they send you a pair of Oakley blades? Did it just come in the mail? Do you just fucking slap them on? I can't wear them, but John can. <laughs> but, I mean, it's actually, I mean, after what we did to it, I mean, we, it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it had this goop in the tank that was like tar. I mean, what the hell was that? It was like John dug it, it out. A full tank of two-stroke mix that over 30 years, all the gasoline evaporated and the oil turned to tar at the bottom of the tank. <laughs> I mean, but we dug it out with a stick. <laughs> oh, man. He didn't, want, he didn't even want me to dig it out. He's like, you don't need to dig it out. That's fine. Oh, man. Like, put a filter on it, fucker, and let's drive this thing. Is that the yeah. machine right there? That's what it looks like, except it's got, it's orange. Yeah, so that's an 81 because the so the 78 
when I was a kid, the 78 has the headlight down here in the, in the middle of the nose. Yeah, the headlight is up there. Where so if the headlight's up high, it's it's a later model. If the headlight was down low by the nose, then it's a, a earlier model. Yeah, I like the body style. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, it was a beast, man. That thing was that thing was a fucking beast. So. Leaf, spring, leaf spring front suspension. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's about. So you're right. About an inch and a half of, of spring travel. But it was an oddball because the 550 or the 5500 MX was like their long range heavy one. And then they had the 7500 plus and the 9500 plus. Uh-huh. And the 9500 plus, I think, had a 500 in it. But yeah. but the hot setup was the 340 because it, I mean, the thing is, the thing puts out a ton of work. I mean, it that, that engine screams. Wow. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, John may have a different opinion. I think that thing is is a wonderful engine. I think it's hilarious. It was very comparable to mine, you know, as far as, you know, light switch, like, eh. and then, like, the belt, the track on it is kind of like the belt at the grocery store. <laughs> it is. It's so bad. Uh, it, it actually does have a little bit. Uh, the technique you got to use is just pin it and go until it starts moving a little bit and then you can let up and then once it gets going it's fine but it's rideable it's rideable <laughs> every fourth every fourth uh uh and they're only like five sixteenths inch deep because the tunnel's so low but every fourth one is the only thing that exists every all three of the four are gone they peeled off oh, man. I, have, I have a new track for it i just have to put oh, it back yeah it's sitting there, and I have a new track for it. But, unfortunately, John's the only one brave enough to, <laughs> to ride it. I'm like, that big fucking head of his is going to you know, bounce off the ground 20 times. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> I thought he was going to damage the landfill when he hit it. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I don't think there's I don't I think it's hilarious that this is turning into the uh, the economy sled podcast. <laughs> well, we've had we've had three weeks of snow. So what are we going to do? We have to do something. Obviously. We we waited longer than we've ever waited to get any kind of snow. I mean, seriously, we've had a, a, ba- a weird year. We just didn't get any snow at all until three weeks ago. And three weeks ago, we got shit hammered. And everybody's trying to make the best out of it. Um, I have an unnatural relationship with my Subaru Sambar with the plow on the front. <laughs> I I'm, saw the video. It's good. Oh, <laughs> you, uh, you have no idea. I went back out today because today it looked like I did nothing yesterday, except for the city plow trucks had buried my driveway, mm. right? So today was a pretty terrible day to get to the shop and realize all the work I'd done yesterday was useless. Well, at the end of today's adventure, after me spending three hours with the sandbar, if you go to my parking lot of my shop right now and you go in, you feel like you're in a hockey rink because (laughs) I have made six foot tall walls the whole way around my parking lot. Nice. Wow. So yeah, if you're in, it's like being in a hockey rink. So the, the parking lot itself is perfectly like you could walk across it no problem there's no risk of getting hurt or whatever but the entire barrier around my parking lot 
I put the plate, the blade up as high as you can put it on the sandbar, which is about this high off the ground. It does not have a very high blade. But at that high off the ground, my first two or three passes pushed the snow up over my old pile, like the old pile that was there. And then it's crazy. It's like a Thunderdome inside of it now. Um, again, it's, it's a huge problem, though, because if somebody were breaking into my shop, nobody could see them. Because aside from the trench that I cut to get in and out of my parking lot, everything else is five or six feet high. Right. It's epic. The amount of snow that we got in a very short time, uh, it's been, I, I redid my home driveway and I did the shop three fucking times. And our, bra- our back driveway at the shop, the, the neighbor uh, completely threw all their snow onto our driveway. It's a lost cause. We'll be able to use that in June. Uh, <laughs> until then, there, there is no back driveway. So how is, how is business at the shop in uh, February 4th? In Fucking Cleveland? great. It's awesome. I've sold a bike a day this month. It's the fourth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've literally consistently, we've maintained our average of selling one bike per day that we're open uh, that, we, that we maintained over January, you know, and we maintained that over December. But it's a very funny thing. These are, I'm selling bikes into Kentucky. I'm selling bikes into Indiana. I'm selling bikes into Georgia because most dealers have no inventory at all i got a bike for you so since steve won't sell me his africa twin um, <laughs> i need to sell my fj09 so i'm going to talk to you about moving that sucker put some to sell it on your own every motorcycle right now that's for sale is selling for more money than it ever fucking should sell for okay yeah just don't try to buy one well i'm gonna wait well, you what wait. about that trade for that bloated snozzle thing no, the 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 Suzuki. I don't want it. I want an Africa Twin. I want What's your, your bloated snozzle. Thing? What the fuck is the bloated snozzle thing? So uh, Suzuki One Thousand, the the big oh. Doctor Big or whatever. Doctor so Big, yeah. Trade me a fucking SV or whatever it is. One thousand. It's a dr. It's a dr. One thousand. Yeah. Yeah, but whatever. I don't want that. I want an Africa <laughs> Twin. I've decided that I want an Africa Twin. That's what's going to happen. Yep. One of the formations of it. I don't care. I don't care what year it is, as long as it's in nice shape. No, you'll be able to buy one pretty cheaply because all the people that thought that that was God's gift to motorcycles and bought one two years ago have had two years to realize it doesn't do exactly what they want it to do. Right. And so there's going to be a lot of people coming off of them. Right. And and I've decided that the the FJ09 triple is not the motor I like. Okay. The bike itself is great. It does yeah. everything it's supposed to do. It's in perfect shape, whatever. Yeah. Me and that motor just don't get along. I'm a lugger. I like to lug. I like to like <laughs> go low RPMs and lug along. Yeah. And FJ09 is like, fuck you. I want to be at 5,000. And I don't like that. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's where it's going to be. Well, I mean, that's cool. This is absolutely, I, I 100% guarantee if you've ever had a running motorcycle in your garage, you wanted to sell it, this is the time to sell it. Um, had a lady contact the shop the other day, says she wants me to buy her 2021 Kawasaki Ninja 650. Yeah. 2021. It's got 680 miles on it. Okay, cool. How can we miss? Well, it doesn't seem like it'd be possible to get hurt on this one, right? Yeah. Uh, send me pictures, right? I'm dying to know because the bike's a 2021 
They're, they cost $75.99, brand new. I mean, go to the dealership right now and buy one. It's $75.99. Uh, what are you going to sell this thing for? Usually, in my experience, when somebody has a bike that's one year old and they're getting rid of it at very, very low mileage, I can usually sweep in and get a hell of a deal on the thing, you know? Uh, not this one, not today. Uh, it's really bad. I, I, again, this is one of those situations where you're sitting there and you're going like, what the hell is the market right now that somebody is going to be um, buying a bike that is as, as you know, just to put it lightly, as bad as this one. And so what I want to do is I'll see if I can share this screen out. We'll see if I can, if we can do it, but this particular bike is uh, being sold and trying to be sold. Can you guys see that? Yeah. You guys picking up on that? Oh, she painted it with a marker. Okay. All right. So I'm glad, glad you guys can see it. Um, Yeah. There were no, uh, 1984 Russian Army Green Kawasaki Kawasaki Ninja 650s. Nope. Um, this was not a stock factory color. That's like wastewater pipe color. <laughs> or insane it, asylum bathroom color from the 1950s. Well, and in fact, I had asked her when she she sent me this picture, and I said, "Is that been dipped?" You know, oh, because yeah. a lot of people will dip these things because it's stylish now or fashionable to dip it. And uh, what people don't know is sometimes it can be really freaking hard to get the dip paint off. Right. Oh, yeah. But you'll notice that the the uh, clutch lever on this is shaped like a banana. Is that a dent in the <laughs> OK, so the clutch lever is shaped like a banana. The bar ends have been replaced, which means it's been crashed. Yeah. But here's the crazy thing. I don't know if you can see this, but on the top of the gas tank, you can see the word Kawasaki. Oh, and down, oh shit. And down oh, here no. on the fender, you can see the, the decals where the fancy decals were on the side. Somebody painted this thing directly over the decals. Yes, they did. And this is like a Krylon job. I mean, this is a Krylon, you know, two cans of Krylon special. So I, I was kind of engaging with her in this like, okay, well, you know, this bike that's been clearly painted Russian military vehicle green uh, and painted directly over. And she's like, no, it's a proper job. It was chemically stripped and professionally painted. No, it was not. They didn't even take the decals off. Right. Well, maybe they just uh, fucked her. Maybe she doesn't know. Well, clearly she crashed the bike. So the bike's 600 miles or whatever. Clearly it's been crashed because that clutch lever looks like a banana. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so the clutch lever looks like a question mark. The bike's been crashed. Right. right. And you can see down in the motor cover, there's scratches on it too and whatever. And the bar ends have been replaced. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, how much? I'm, you know, I'm really not interested in how much. She said $7,500. Oh my goodness. 7,500 bucks full retail for a bike. Now, granted, that's not the tax and the title and the freight and whatever else, but it is still 7,500 bucks for a bike that's clearly been crashed and painted by a blind person with a brush. Right. Yeah. So yeah, super, super creepy. Uh, Not, not at all what anybody would like. How did you respond? Like, how did you respond? 
restrain yourself from laughing when she says <laughs> yeah i was i was pretty well dying i mean i was i was absolutely insane um has anybody seen the moon bike electric oh the snowmobile or the snowmobile uh, scooter no the yeah the um, timber sled electric bike it's not timber sled so timber sled is the the yeah so the moon crate is the one that literally looks like a a 70s mini bike but it's got a track and big ass batteries and i was i was about to buy one when you sent the link except for it's like nine thousand dollars it's like eight, yeah so much money yeah, it's over eight thousand yeah. dollars that's exactly right so over eight grand super dope dude yeah it's pretty cool looking I yeah. mean, it, it's got it's got some pretty neat features. Um, I, I was pretty impressed by how they cool. sent me something that was kind of like that. That well, it was a uh, you know it was kind of primitive, but but it had different configurations. It was like there was the motor unit, and then there was a, a, a cargo sled, and you could either sit on the motor with the cargo sled in front of you and drive it like that, or you could swap it around and you sat on the cargo sled and. Had had the motor unit in front of you it was a weird but i think that was like a ukrainian thing or something yeah i saw that one yeah that was that was the that was a russian type thing that is not yeah. what we are speaking of no <laughs> and i didn't see a price on that but this is the uh the the bike that's available it's through uncrate they're the people who are selling it uh but they call it a moon bike i don't know if you are you guys seeing this yeah 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 so it's it's very much the traditional 70s mini bike style and everything's box tubing so like this thing is just cheap as shit like the build on this is oh, all box box into that fucking thing maybe five like maybe a thousand with the batteries but that i was like gonna say before the batteries yeah maybe yeah. so they have these drive systems if you see the drive system that's on here you can buy these conversion kits for pit bikes on alibaba.com of all things oh shit really yeah so they've got conversion kits for for you know 110 and, and smaller pit bikes oh. available on alibaba yeah, and, uh, I, I sent you a link i to saw the price. price i'm kind of shocked well no which, I mean, yeah, which one yeah. did you see john but the price that i saw was north of nine thousand dollars yeah, right no but but for the conversions so are there so I had sent a link to an actual like Polaris conversion, which was like for a pit bike up to 110 or 125 right. was like yep. 2,200 bucks. Yeah. So and that's the one that, yeah. Is that the Alibaba one? Cause if, if it it's is than that, I'd consider it. And it's not, and, and I'm going to, I caution you, it's not Polaris. It doesn't come from Polaris. Um, that was just the person that was writing the article, taking some wild literary license, Okay, but you're not going to get anything from Polaris for $300. No, it was $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The, the one, the kit that's legit, that it's, it's about a $3,000 kit. Right. But what and about the one the, that's on oh, Alibaba's it's 300 bucks? I take a risk and just make it work. Yeah. Yeah, the Pol the real Polaris one is about $3,000. The one that's on Alibaba is about $400. Oh, shit. And, and I'm telling you that the one that's on Alibaba for $400 is completely vapor. It does not really exist. That's somebody who's taking your money. You're never going to see that product. Or if you do, it's going to be this big. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like so, the VW bus. That we like talked. the VW bus. Exactly. So that is something that, you know, that's something that everybody needs to be aware of that it's, it's a very like. 
for your remote control motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's getting stuff like that. Obviously it's, it's very dangerous to do that. I saw on Alibaba. Um, do you guys remember a product called the quad ski? Yeah. Um, it's an ATV that is also a, uh, jet ski. Pretty cool looking. Very cool looking. Very, very slick, very cool operation. Um, now, that company that makes those, they're a very small company. They, they don't make a lot of this shit. And there was one listed on Alibaba for $4,000 for a quad ski. And that's nowhere near the price of those things. But of course, that's one of those things that like, it's going to take the right the person that has too much trust in ordering things from China to realize that they've been duped, you know, to know that they've been scammed. Uh, but if you'll click on an email that says your Norton antivirus has been automatically renewed for $700, if you're going to click on that email, then you're probably going to try to buy the quad ski for $3,000 on Alibaba, you know? So you'll have that. For like 30,000 bucks. Yeah. They were like 30 grand. Yeah. So they were cool though. Very freaking cool. And I mean, that was the kind of thing that, you know, yes, I'd be all over that shit. There's there's no doubt I'd be on that thing. So, yeah, super cool, super fun, you know, all that cool stuff. But it is absolutely not attainable for, you know, three thousand bucks or four thousand bucks. So, yeah. So uh, we uh, I've been getting some great I mean, some absolutely great, uh, cool contact from our customers and our podcast listeners and all these people that were kind of it's cold out and people have nothing better to do than to do um internet shit which is super cool uh patreons are coming fast and furious i don't know what's happened but we've gotten a whole bunch of more patreons and uh james snell upped his pledge from five bucks to ten bucks sweet super cool they haven't heard Uh, last week's podcast yet so hang in there for one more week if i fucked up on that footage of the swan swan donut man we'd had all kinds of clicks it was epic epic. it was so he fucking he nailed it i can't believe it i was so bummed dude i was going through the footage and i'm like john 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 i was like fuck because i dude I literally got dizzy. It was fucking insane. It oh was- my god! Yeah. I need proper training. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Need training. <laughs> no, but it proved that we're fifty, but we're still stupid, and that was the important part that we lost, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a. Uh, it is one of those things that is. It's just. It's absolutely fantastically cool. If you are a Patreon, remember that once we send you that that bat phone number, that party line number, that you can start chiming in and you can start giving us suggestions and shit to talk about um, because we've uh, we love it. We love hearing from the folks, and hey, I want to bring up. Tom. So your boy Tom down in uh, um, Louisiana or, yeah. or New Orleans or something. He, yeah. he posted that he got a big fat shipment of uh, Cleveland Moto stuff. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he got. He scored. Yeah, he scored. Renee, uh, when Renee packs the boxes, you get taken care of. I mean, she's she's she is awesome at 
putting a lot of swag into the box. He like she, very she, happy. She, he was very happy. That's all I'm saying. She did a great job. She and she loaded him up, set him up. We're trying like hell to get Tom to move up here. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So between you know between Shane's you know between uh, post auto and Cleveland Moto. Tom could make a decision to work on cars or motorcycles whenever the fuck he wants to. Right. Um, yeah. So it'd be great. We would love to have Tom up here. That'd be the, the greatest thing. And if you guys don't know who Tom Pennington is, he's an absolute mensch. Like we, we love that dude. He's so cool well, and known him for years. And he's, he's a blast. We just like having him around. So you guys, we are our podcasts, listeners, uh, our friend Andy Taylor, podcast listener up in Michigan, right? Uh, he, great guy, absolutely a great guy. He's been considering getting the Honda Navi. Oh. Everybody's talking about a Honda Navi. Get a buddy. Okay. Get so, a five horsepower Briggs and Stratton uh, <laughs> mini, <laughs> mini bike. You're better off. So um, his one of his local dealers posts on Facebook Marketplace Honda Navi one thousand eight hundred and seven dollars. Oh, right, pretty well, good. No, that's Come something. and get it. Come and get it. Bring it on, baby. Yeah, right? yeah. So, <laughs> so, so he immediately he immediately you know right yeah I'm gonna come and get that son of a bitch. So he writes the dealer back. The dealer says, I have two. I have two red ones. Come get, come in today. And so Andy writes back, what is the out-the-door price? And he writes, the dealer writes back to him, tax, title, plate, and dealer handling with an extended warranty, $5,100 out the oh, door. What? <laughs> wow. What kind so, of- I, I'm gonna, I'll bring you up to speed. You need to so, get on those fees, Phil. Like you, if you had those fees, we could do a lot more cool shit. We could. Yeah. And so he says. So yeah, he says. Uh, sand laden uh, Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> so he says. So he says. Out the door quote from Detroit Honda dealer for a new Navi. Thought it would make a good chat for the podcast we recent that you guys recently talked about. Yeah. Not posted on the Patreon page. Thanks. Hmm. Well, he did the right thing. He sent it to the hotline number, right? So he sent it to the hotline number. So then he was nice enough to send me, I guess they shut him down on Facebook. And so he continued the conversation off of Facebook. And so his, in continuation of the conversation on Facebook, uh, he writes, um, is this through a dealer? If so, what is the outdoor price? If you don't mind, I am looking for one as a gift for my fiance. Thank you. And the dealer writes back, I have two red ones coming in today. And uh, he writes, what is the outdoor price? The guy writes tax title plate and dealer handling with an extended warranty 5100. He <laughs> says, oh, wow. No, thanks. That's an $1,800 bike. The dealer writes back, how much were you thinking? There's a tax there's title, there's plate and dealer fees. And so Andy writes them back. Uh, bear with me. Andy writes them back. I got quoted 2,700 out the door at Honda Suzuki of Warren. So I will go there. Thanks for your time. And the dealer writes back. Wow. They are giving it away. He says, not really. 
tax is only $108, and that's over $650 in fees, which is one-third of the cost of the bike. Right, which is fair. Which is, yeah, fair. And the dealer writes, yeah, that's cheap. <laughs> like, like as though he's still in the game, you know? And uh, like, like that's cheap. And uh, then Andy writes back, what dealership are you at? And at that point, the guy shut off the conversation. So even when the dealer was told that another dealer was going to sell them the bike for, you know, $2,700 out the door. And yes, it is, in fact, an $1,800 bike. 27 out the door is $800 in fees, which is almost 50% of the price of the actual bike. That's what I want to talk about. Well, let me let me let me let me pile on something real quick and then you can yeah. go there. So JC Penny in 1996, don't quote me, 96, 98, somewhere around there. They wanted to end sales and they wanted to end all the bullshit about like come buy our shit, we're having a 30% sale, whatever. Yeah. They tried to tell the public that they were going to do like a 20% profit margin and that these right. are all prices right the prices were lower so if right. you're trying to go somewhere else the initial price would be 100 bucks but at yeah. jc penny it was going to be 60 because that was like the actual price with 20 percent markup right and the ceo got fired they all fucking complained nobody shopped there all this stuff so right. the whole idea of getting a fucking deal and like knowing how much shit costs and knowing how much the markup is and stuff does not appeal to a lot of American fucking people. They'd rather, they'd rather go in knowing like, Hey, this bike is fucking like 5,000 bucks. I'm going to get it for fucking $4,500, even though in reality it's 3000 and the rest are markups. So I found that pretty interesting. So I'm really interested to see where this goes because knowing I just I just read this whole story and it was pretty amazing. Like the whole company decided to dive into like fuck sales, fuck markups. We're going to be transparent as fuck. Let everybody know what we're making, knowing that we bought this for 10 bucks. We're selling it to you for 12 bucks. What's up? And it failed. So like well, the answer is, I mean, J.C. Penney's is going out of business or is out of business. <laughs> And Kohl's, which everything is, nothing is the, what it is. Everything is always on sale, up to 75%. You know? That's my point. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, people are stupid enough that they need yeah. to be told that they're getting a deal on something to take it home. But that Harbor, Harbor Freight Steak, it's, you know, like, everything was normally, you know, $500, but with 50% off, it's only two, you know, like, two, you know, like... Everything's always on sale. They had a whole lawsuit about that. Well, whoever bought a Saturn? Who bought a Saturn? Anybody know anybody that bought a Saturn? Who bought a Saturn? Right? So Saturn, they decided they were going to change the business model for cars, right? Saturn said they were going to do this thing where it was going to be the price is on the sticker, a no dicker sticker, if you will. And they said that, you know, we're going to sell the car at this price and don't even go into the dealer trying to negotiate. Don't bother because it's the same price and it's the same price for everybody. Right. And that was the idea behind Saturn. Right. The idea was that Saturns were supposed to be a very affordable car. They've had a lot of innovative build stuff. And the reality of it was 
that Saturn did have a lot of traction in the marketplace, but they gave up on that concept. They gave up on that one price for everybody thing because in the dealer industry, so many dealerships base their profit margin or they base their money for the year on the things that get added to the invoice, right? You're like and a $5,000 service plan you get that my daughter bought Yep. that, you know, they pull you in the back room. We'll give you uh, spray down like water resistant seats for a thousand bucks. And we'll yep. give you a service plan for $5,000. And right. by then it, it adds 50% to the cost of the car. And you don't even understand what's going on. All you say to them is no, no, no. And I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, I just don't understand people. They're just stupid. There's stupidity and there's that fatigue of being in the dealership for five hours. And then there's also that non-confrontation. You don't want to get into a battle. You just want to buy the car. Oh, I um, like confrontation. I know. Absolutely. And my wife, I mean, when, we, when I helped her buy her car, she was like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe you talk to them like that. I'm like, well, yeah, they, they pulled you in a back room to meet with their F&I guy, like the guy who's just trying to fuck you to sell you another $5,000 on top of your used car. Right. And you got to tell them no. And and the guy will, will flatly look at you in the face and, and act like you're crazy. Yeah. Like, you are you sure? Sure, you can't do this. Well, here you need to sign this paper. You won't. You don't want the extended warranty. We don't want you to come back and suing us. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So there's this idea, right? There's there's intimidation, and I got to tell you, I, I in my career in my job, I've been to many classes, a whole lot of classes, a whole lot of training that tells you <clears throat> exactly how you do it. And it's called F&I and there's other words for it and stuff like that. We're not going to get into that. But the reason I wanted to use this Navi as a really decent example for that is because we fucking know that the Navi is $1,800, right? It's brought like that is its number one selling point. That's the reason people in America are talking about this piece of shit bike with, you know, twin drum brakes and 110 cc's and three horsepower, right? It's not three horsepower, but I'm making fun of it. It's main selling point. It's the cheapest Honda you'll ever or buy. That's exactly right. That's its number one selling point. It leads with how cheap it is. It's cheaper than snow and so because it's that cheap and because that's its number one selling point, that's what we call a door kicker. It's going to get people in the door. It's, it's going to bring people in. Now, here's the trick. The second dealer the guy talked to had said his bike, would, he would tell you the bike for 2700 And 2700 is still $800, $900 over the MSRP of that particular bike. Okay. Now, as far as additional fees go, buying a motorcycle anywhere, to have $800 or $900 worth of additional fees is not uncommon. Most dealerships are going to charge you freight. Um, there's going to be freight. There's going to be some sort of an assembly charge, some sort of what they call a PDI, a prior to delivery inspection. Sure, of course. There's going to be some sort of a title fee. Yep, you're going to have that. And then there's going to be your tax, which the dealer has nothing fucking to do with the tax. If you're in a state where the dealer collects the tax money, that money is not retained by the dealer. It goes to the state. So don't hate your dealer for tax and don't say to your dealer, well, can you pay the tax? Because the dealer is going to be like, no, I'm not going to fucking pay the tax. 
Do you ask the guys at Walmart to pay your fucking tax when you buy a TV at Walmart? Don't come in a dealer with that. It makes you look really stupid. And that would be the same for a new or a used bike, right? What's that? That would be the same for a new or a used bike. Not at all. Okay. So the tax is going to be the tax because that's county-based or state-based, depending on where you live. <clears throat> it could be out of state. You could have a tax that's from a different state. It's usually taxed upon the county in which you live or the state in which you live. That's fine. The tax is going to be on a new vehicle or a used vehicle. Now, things like freight, the freight of getting it there, you shouldn't be paying that on a used vehicle, a pre-owned vehicle, because that vehicle already showed up. The guy who traded it in fucking brought it in, right? So you shouldn't be paying freight on a pre-owned vehicle. So you're going to pay tax, but you can save on other things buying a used bike. Of course, you you shouldn't be paying freight. You shouldn't be paying setup. You shouldn't be paying PEI <laughs> because that bike doesn't have to be uncrated. That bike doesn't need to be partially assembled. Now, they may charge a reconditioning fee or something to make sure that that bike is up to the standard of the bikes they sell reconditioning fees are kind of sketchy my argument is they should have negotiated those reconditioning costs with the person who was trading the bike in it shouldn't be a knock-on cost for the next buyer the next buyer is assuming that they're buying a fit quality vehicle a safe vehicle so you shouldn't be charging the new buyer something to make sure the bike is safe and not going to fucking hurt them can i buy a cleveland photo certified used bike can I buy a Cleveland Moto certified used bike? Ask. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that that earned the Honda Motor Company millions of dollars. They were the first company that did Honda certified pre-owned. They made the word used into a, a dirty word. Um, and they were they figured out a way to give dealers a giant profit margin on selling used Honda vehicles and to create brand loyalty. So the idea was you could buy a new Honda car or you could buy a certified Honda pre-owned and that gave them the ability to jack the price up on the vehicle quite a bit. So Honda pre-owned, Honda certified pre-owned, that was a marketing trick. Is it that much better than anything else? Well, no, I would assume that any dealer, if you're trading in your 1992 Buickless Sabre, the dealer's going to take it through the service department once real quick to make sure he's not buying a car with a blown motor, right? Not buying a car with a bad head gasket. It's doesn't fall off the first time you take it out on the road. Yeah, what'd you say, Sleepy? I don't know about that because I had a Volvo S80 that yep. had 65,000 miles when I bought it. It was from a Beechwood old lady that bought it in 19 or 2001 and drove it to church. And that's it. Sure. Tommy Bell blew out. <laughs> so I got it and I drove it. I, 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 I put 25,000 miles on it, but at 25,000 miles, the transmission started slipping. Right. And so I went to a guy and the car was worth maybe $2,800, 3000. And the guy said, you're one of the one in a thousand people that these transmissions went to even get a used one is $2,000. Sure. Well, like you're fucked. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So my wife was looking for a car. And so I, I took this car and I drove it to Brook Park road to one of these dealerships. Yeah. And on the way there, it went from working in drive to drive, no longer work to I had to go to f- our third gear yeah, third gear would get me to 65, and then that stopped working at about five miles away, and I had to go to second gear. And yeah, and this was an automatic, so it was like I was shifting through automatic gears, and they were yep. failing. 
So I got there, we parked it, we went in, and they gave us $3,500 for the car. Yep. And, and I was really, I, like, and talk about sweating. So, like, they offered us this deal, and she was buying a Chevy Spark that was, like, $12,000. It was, like, two years old, but it was a good deal. So they were going to give us three grand, like, it was basically the down payment for her car. Right. And so the dude, I, like, and the whole thing was going down. He's like, well, I'm going to go test drive the car. I'm like, okay. And then meanwhile, I'm like, oh, shit. If this yeah. fucking guy leaves the parking lot, we're fucked, right? Right. Deal's over. He got in it, started it, started right up. He yeah. rubbed it a few times, revved fucking perfectly. Yeah. Went out, checked the oil, checked the fluids, backed it up, drove it around the parking lot in fucking drive, which was in first gear or whatever. Right, of course. He was driving around the parking lot, parked it and said, we're good. Yep. But meanwhile, the fucker was dead. Like, if they tried to take it on the highway, it was, like, right. sequentially dying as it yep. fucking went on its life, right? Yep. So, like, there is, I guess there is a liability to taking in cars or vehicles like that. Hell yeah. So, I'm just And you saying, know what he did? What? I, I'm going to probably go out on a limb here and say that salesperson that took that car in on trade wasn't the owner of the company. No, no, of course not. But, but he got a, he got he, he got called in and he got talked to. But do you think, or do they just take those cars and stick them on a flatbed and send them off to fucking auction? They don't give. Sometimes them- they do. Yeah, if a, right. if it's a car that they don't want for their inventory, it's going to go to auction. But I'll tell you the way the auctions work. When it got to auction, they did test it. And uh, when it got to auction, the auction company that said, "Okay, well, we're going to run this through the auction for you, and you're going to pay a buyer's fee or a seller's fee." Right. Well, it turns out they're not going to put that. They're not going to give that car a, a five star rating. No. If the transmission doesn't work, and when they do pay him, if it does sell at auction, and they do pay him, and that car comes back to the auction because the transmission was blown as an undisclosed problem, then that dealer is not going to get his pay on that. So right. there's also the greatest chance that that car got moved over to the other side of the lot and had a sticker put in the window that said "Certified Pre-Owned." Right. Because you get away with it most of the time. And what the reason you got away with it is that dealer said, it's a Volvo. They never have any fucking problems. Right. And the thing is, it was right. mint. It looked yeah. fucking mint. It was the leather and everything for yeah. a night or 2001 Volvo. It had Bluetooth. It had everything. The dude high fived his sales manager, high fived his sales manager, high fived his used car manager. They, they stole the trade from you. Yeah. But that one time in a thousand, they got fucked, right? They're probably sitting there fighting over who was going to buy it. I'm like, that's going to be my car. Bingo. Exactly. Oh, what'd you give them for? 2,500? Would you give them 3,000? Great. I'll give you 3,000 for it right now. Yeah. So that's something to be aware of. Now, here in this particular case of this Navi, this this little Honda $1,800 bike that, man, that everyone can't get enough of right now. Right. This dealership, we got a dealership that's going to sell it for $2,700. We got a dealership that's going to sell it for $5,100. And in that message, you'll remember that I did say that the dealer told him prep, freight, tax, whatever. And he also said extended warranty, right? And what that means is that dealer who's told him it was $5,100 out the door, that dealer is working at a dealership where every motorcycle they sell has a $1,000 destination charge. 
Okay, do you know what that is? A destination charge is a completely ambiguous number that is made up out of nowhere. Honda runs about a $600 destination charge. Harley Davidson runs a $1,200 destination charge. Okay, we're not gonna get into surcharges. That's something that's happening right now. We can cover that another time. That's another form of the devil. But there's gonna be your freight and all that other stuff. The dealership that was selling that Navi for 5,100 bucks. How they got there is that their dealership has the Honda Basic Freight. So Honda Basic Freight's probably 600 bucks. That means every bike, the customer gets charged $600 for the freight. Harley Davidson just up theirs from 500 to $1,000 as a result of increased freight costs, okay? Just announced it two weeks ago. Now, that's a pretty big increase. That dealership also probably has a standard, like we said, standard destination charge. They probably have a standard paperwork charge. They probably have a lot of bullshit charges, including probably automatically an extended warranty, automatically putting in gap insurance or something like that, or a care package, a dealer service package. The idea is when you're talking about an Africa Twin, or you're talking about a Goldwing, or you're talking about an expensive sport bike, having $2,500 worth of additional charges is sometimes not that big of a deal. It's not visible enough to some people, and some people think, oh yeah, you know, there's stuff, we know about that. It's not a big deal on a $25,000 bike. But that same package, when you slide it on top of an $1,800 bike, is now fucking ridiculous. And that's the problem. So if the $1,800 Navi, if the dealer's only gonna make 220 bucks selling that bike, why would they bother having one? And they were doing the same thing with Groms. They were doing the same thing with a lot of low dollar bikes because every time the dealer sold one, their end of selling that bike was only three or 400 bucks. So how you get it is you get it with the added on fees. Now you can, cause look, it's gonna take you exactly as long to sell somebody a Grom as it's gonna take you to sell a Goldwing. The guy comes in, he kinda wants to buy a Goldwing. The guy comes in, he kinda wants to buy a Grom. Takes you an hour to sell the Goldwing, takes you an hour to sell the Grom. Well, the Goldwing, you make 1200, 1300, 1400 bucks on. The Grom, you make 300, 400 bucks on. So the dealer wants to make a certain bottom number on every single bike they sell. If they're gonna go through the trouble of selling you a bike, they wanna make a certain amount of money. That's how it's not scalable, and that's why you get shit like a $5,100 fucking Navi. And I hope, I mean, clearly our podcast listener did the right thing and he did the cool thing. He called another shop, got two completely different quotes on the exact same bike. And that shows 2,700 at one place, 5,100. And I asked him, I was like, is that for two bikes? 5,100? That seems like it's about fair for two $1,800 bikes. It's not. That's just what it is. So go ahead, man. Well, I just have a question as, as a dealer. And you're explaining these fees. The last two bikes I bought from this, I mean, I've had a long-term relationship with a dealer, the Honda, this Honda dealer. And when I go in there, they just charge me the MSRP and that's right. it, plus tax. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that because like that destination charge is built into the MSRP or they're just giving me a deal on it because they're just not charging me for the, the bullshit? Yep. yep. So what they're doing is a good deal. Yeah, they're giving you a great deal. And they know that with you and their relationship they have with you, that they could throw those things on like they do for everybody else. You are not going to tolerate that. 
Do you know why those things are all thrown on? Because people don't protest it. Because so they, they can. can. Be, so they can be taken off. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. So we. I add six things to the price, so that if you argue away three of them, I'm still three ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. I add things intentionally to take them off. Our dealership doesn't do that. Our dealership doesn't. We charge you literally the freight that we get charged. We're happy to show you the shipping invoice. We charge you the prep charge that each manufacturer tells us we have to charge. And we charge you the tax, which we don't get to keep the tax. The tax is the fucking county tax. As a person buying something, you have to go into it knowing that if you're going to an establishment that has vehicles that you can look at and see. Right. Like there has to be a percentage markup. Like you have to. Like you have to make something. You can't sell a product for 0% profit. I provide people. Like there's a huge, like when you have something that people can come and see, there should be like people should understand there's a percentage involved in that because I can sit here all day and think about a bike that I love. Right. And I've never sat on it. I've never fucking put my legs over it. I don't know how my legs feel on the foot pegs and stuff. As much as I love that bike, it might not be the right bike for me. So, like, yeah, you might save 10% buying that over the Internet or something and having it and going and picking it up to whatever. But, like, until you set, there's a certain amount of money that you should expect to pay to have the privilege of sitting right. in a bike or at least experiencing it enough to know that, like, yeah, this is the fucking bike I want to spend $20,000 on or something. Right. Exactly. That, that's all I'm saying. And I think you're right, too, about it. the more it costs the less it hurts. I mean, right. <laughs> you're 15, you know, seriously, if you're spending $15,000 on a bike yep. and they jack your price up a thousand bucks, like for these fees, you're just like, it's just another thousand bucks on 15,000. Right. But you're right. The, the lower, the, the lower the price of the bike, the higher it hurts because it's a, such a great more percentage yep. of what you're actually buying yep. that you're like, you're going in there being cheap anyway. Yep. And you get I have, the ball. I have a good question for you, Phil. Yeah. In the last 20 years of you owning a motorcycle shop, right? So the International Motorcycle Show was usually this month. Right. So people had the opportunity to go and sit on a million different bikes and right. feel different bikes and, and, and figure out whether or not that was the actual bike they wanted. Right. So now that that's not part of our existence anymore, have you seen a slack or an increase? Like, are people like, oh, I, I want this bike because I saw it or like, because I, I have a feeling that people went and sat on shit where it's like, yeah, I want this bike and I want it. So, like, have you felt any difference from that? <clears throat> well, I'm going to turn it back around. We'll turn it back around into a question just for more fun that way. So if you were thinking about buying a motorcycle or a car or a refrigerator or other high high dollar item, in today's era, most of the people do a lot of research prior to physically going and sitting on the car, sitting in the car, or sitting on the bike or, or looking at the refrigerator or whatever. Most people were an information rich society. So um, most people don't show up at their car dealership and say, I need car. Can you show me car? Right. I would like to see 400 cars today and I will make my decision of your 400 cars, which one car I'd like to buy. Now, that used to be absolutely every day at every car dealership in America would be the guy would come in and the car salesperson would actually have to kind of figure out, do they need a minivan or do they need a pickup truck or do they need a whatever? Most of the people now, when they go into a car dealership, 
They know what car they want. Now they want to get the best price they can get. Oh, that's it. Go ahead, John. Well, most of the people have done like what I would do is go on car gurus and they've been very careful and they, they've figured out exactly what car they want. They've searched it a million times. They've moved the sliders on the price and the year and the and the mileage down to where they found the optimal cars that are below market price. And so they're going after the one. They already know what the best possible deal that they can get. They're just going to look at it and see if make sure it's a good, <laughs> good vehicle before they buy it. Yes. And that's what most of the people who walk into a dealership when the doors are unlocked, most of the people have already found the car or the motorcycle. In my case, they found the motorcycle they're going to buy. They already, they, they know they've spent hundreds of hours fantasizing, dreaming, watching YouTube videos. They already have it in their head, what they're going to buy. What they want to do is they want to come into my shop. They want to finally sit on it. Maybe they can get a test ride. And then they want to say, okay, I saw one on the internet for $74.99. Can you beat that? Or will you beat that? I'll buy this one from you right now. I don't care about the MSRP being $99.99. I've got one I want to buy in Temecula for $74.99. If you'll beat that price, I'll buy this bike. That happens way more than you can imagine. In fact, I would go as far as to tell you that happens more than the other which is people that show up and go, I'm considering buying a Benelli. I want to look at them. Most of the time it's people come in because the internet is an available thing that we can do while we're sitting in the bathroom taking a shit. So since we can do that on our thumb powered device, why don't they? They do, and that's a big deal. So when we see that happening and we see the customer that comes in and we know, I try to pre-interview people all the time. They're like, well, yeah, because I, I, I've got one I'm going to put a deposit on it or whatever, or I got to drive a hundred miles to buy it. I just want to come in here to get my nuts on yours to make sure I'm not making a mistake, to make sure I don't sit on this bike and have it fit me weird or, or have some deal breaker. They did not walk into your shop with any intention of buying your bike at all. Yep. They're not remotely a qualified customer. If you have to come down off of your price to match the internet price of a used bike that they were going to buy. Now, most dealerships I know cannot come $2,500 off the price of a vehicle to make the sale. So in that case, it's really useless. That person, all they're going to do is they're going to pick your brain. They're going to waste your time. Also, people are like, well, you know, but you got to treat them right because, you know, the next time they need a bike, they're going to know that you're good and they'll come and get one from you. No, they won't. No, they won't. Everybody has a right to make an offer. Absolutely. And you have a right to, but you have a right to make a counter offer. So yep. make an off. They can make you an offer twenty five hundred under. You come back and say no. I need my. I need my yep. price. That's or exactly maybe it. you'll be like, you know what? I can knock five hundred bucks and I'm give you a helmet. Yep. Yep. Give and maybe and and some days that might be the right thing to do. Other days it may not be the right thing to do. It depends on which bike it is and what you paid to get it. What you owe on it. And uh, a lot of people love this game where they're like, oh, you got to wait until the bike's been on their floor for 90 days because then they're going to pay interest on it. And if they're staring down the barrel of paying 14 or 15% interest on that bike, you can make an offer of 20% less and they'll sell it to you rather than pay 14% interest. It doesn't work that way. Well, how about that, that actually doesn't work. 
How about all the stuff where people are like, they don't make money selling off bikes, yeah. it's the accessories and, yes. and other things. And so that was a smaller bike shop where yeah. like the accessories are not like, you're not taking $27,000 worth of fucking whatever yeah. accessories. So like, yeah. Like when that's not part of the thing and people come in wanting that, like, how do you yep. explain it to them that you're not? No, that's absolutely true. And that's an excellent point. There are many companies, Suzuki's famous for this. Suzuki does not tell the dealers that they have to sell the bike for a certain MSRP, that they have to hold the line, what they call map pricing. Yeah. Suzuki will let a dealer sell a bike, whatever fucking price they want to sell it for. So if a, if a dealer's got an aggressive finance program where the dealer knows he's going to get a 5% kickback or a $200 kickback from the finance company on every bike they sell, the dealer's going to make the money on the financing. If the dealer knows that he can say, okay, well, if I put $1,000 worth of accessories on that bike, it's going to mean $300, $400 of the profit to me. So that could be something that would cause a dealer to go down, to go really, really low on a price. If the dealer has something like a $600 service contract that he's going to get the customer to sign up for, you know, that's all profit. Most people that have a service contract don't use it the way they're supposed to. And a lot of people don't keep a bike long enough to justify the having of an extend, uh, a service contract. Extended warranty, five-year warranty. Well, what if you only keep the bike for two years? You know, are you going to keep the bike for five years? Uh, is that warranty worth the paper it's printed on? Or do you have to go to a certain shop? Is there a deductible on the warranty? There are all kinds of things called products that every dealer is going to try to sell you. It's up to you to try to be resilient, you know, kind of armored against that. But it is a very, very big thing. I assure you that if a dealership is selling you a bike, they're not going to sell themselves into bankruptcy. No dealership would ever have a salesperson working there or the owner working there that would ever allow them to lose money on an actual bike. So because is there... Is there a, is there a um, additional item that somebody can purchase that'll so if if you were a high end like not yeah. that you're not but I'm saying like you were a Ducati dealer or something right. Right? and so you were selling to Ducati but right. they also sold all the accessories and stuff right. if there was somebody that came in and said listen I want this bike but I'm right. not paying over cost for it. Right. But I will buy the full leathers, this, the trailer, yeah. this, that, that, that. Is sure. there, is there a, a thing that would make that worthwhile to you? Absolutely. It's called the bottom line. So if we drop a contract and we say, okay, this is what you're buying. And we drop this invoice and we say, this is your invoice. This is everything you're buying. And we look at that and that number works for us because you're buying $2,000 worth of accessories. Could I sell you the bike at what would be considered to be a loss? Of course I can. Absolutely I can. Of course. The dealership just needs to make the money they need to make. But here's the trick that I will tell you for the guys that are out there, because I just I just saw an entire thing. A guy post made a YouTube video about how to beat a dealer. Right. And oh, those have to be fun for you, man. Again, what's funny is I see some of these things being posted by dealers telling people how to beat a dealer. And right. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? When they tell you that they're like, oh, well, the dealer has to get rid of the bike in 90 days or whatever, or they have to start paying interest on it. I'll tell you a little secret. No. When the dealer gets the bike gets to be 90 days old or it's about to be 90 days old and you know you're about to spend 10 or 14 percent on interest on that bike. Do you know what the dealer does? I is it. He pays the finance company. Mm. He owns the bike that locks the bike in at the price he paid for it 90 days ago. Okay. Or if he doesn't, then that's a dealer you don't want to be dealing with because he doesn't have the money to fucking 
maintain can't it. afford to buy his own inventory right, right right can't afford to buy his can't afford to own his own inventory so, so when some shit goes wrong he's not going to be there for you yeah and when a dealer says oh i got to get this bike off the books i'm going to start paying interest on it it's flooring's old he's probably not telling you the truth right because no dealership is in such financial ruin that they can't go okay those eight bikes over there they're about to be charging me 10 to 14 percent interest on eight of those bikes it's going to cost me a lot of fucking money to keep that inventory on my floor so what the dealer will usually do is the dealer will just pay the finance company right. or he'll take a loan small business loan right. home equity loan whatever at a very low interest rate two right. or three or four percent he'll pay off his flooring on those bikes using his home interest loan or home equity loan right. and then he's got that inventory without worrying about the flooring he can now wait a year or two years or three years or as long as he fucking wants to wait to sell that bike for his price you know why i know that works because i've been doing that for 21 years so let me ask okay. you something so when you see these like bring a trailer things and yeah. meet them auction things yeah where dealers like oh shit, we had a 1979 cbx or yeah. 80 whatever how does that happen how do you have a how does a dealership forget about a fucking bike like that in the background <laughs> I, i've honestly wondered about this because like these guys are like oh it's brand new in the crate it's a fucking it's a it's a 2001 uh zx7 that's never been uncrated how does yeah. that shit happen well, I, I would tell you that I don't know, but I have literally, I bought a V, I bought a 2010 VFR Interceptor 1200 and I bought it in the crate. I mean, I literally bought it right. at the auction That's and I happened. bought it How does in that happen? the crate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I, doesn't State 8 have like a bunch of runes? Yeah. St yeah. State 8 has like an Indiana Jones vault with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of motorcycles in it many of them are still in the crate um it could be the kind of thing where a bike comes out and somebody at the dealership is like "Fuck yeah i want to have one of those put it over there we're not going to sell it mm. i think what's more likely going to happen because i have bought some inventory off of other dealers where they've had a bike that was two or three years old in the crate and i bought it for a song i think what happens is a lot of dealers are really fucking big and they'll have the bikes in the crate it may not be a very popular bike it'll be in the back of their warehouse because it used to be dealerships well manufacturers would let you buy just the number of bikes that you could sell now manufacturers don't want to pay for warehouse space they're making the dealers be the warehouses so they're making the dealers take a shit ton more bikes than they ever would normally that dealer now has to deal with this excess excess baggage this excess inventory so yeah a lot of shit does get pushed in the back you might have to be renting warehouse space next thing you know oh shit that one got through the cracks we got a two-year-old bike in the back of our warehouse fuck they know it's there because they paid off the flooring or they do they're not paying interest on that bike for two years it's paid off but it's sitting there and so somebody goes well you know we're not going to take it out of the crate we're not going to prep it we'll wait until we do a sale and we'll bring it out then yeah stuff gets overlooked me it was buying, at the bottom of the pile yeah but me buying a 2010 interceptor in 2019 that's insane a nine a bike that's been sitting in a crate for nine years well um, that's can, crazy yeah, there's people that are pulling out never out of the crate 1984 interceptors and shit yep. like that like, yeah I've, I've participated in a few of those auctions for bikes that were over 20 years old that were still in the cardboard Somebody could have bought it, paid for it, and never picked it up. And then the dealership was like, well, it's been 10 years.
years. Okay, yeah. so they file for the title and they, they sell it. We had two bikes like that. We had two machines like that that were purchased, paid for, shipped into my shop. We had prepped them, called the guy up and said, your bike's ready to go. Nothing, crickets. And in one bike, we were like, fuck it, let's sell it. Let's Wait. just sell it. Let me ask you something real quick. Yeah. So here's me. I'm, uh, all of a sudden, tomorrow, I get 20 grand in my mail. I'm like, oh, shit, I want a new yeah. bike. I say, Phil, I want that bike on your, I want that Ducati that you haven't sold. I want it. It's 10 grand. Here's yeah. the money, prep it, whatever. And I die. Yeah. So, and my family doesn't even know I did this. So now it's like seven or eight months later, and now you have this bike, it's paid for, whatever. What is your legal responsibility to that sale? Well, I mean, realistically, if you've been paid and you've already cashed the check, yeah. and the bike is sitting there. No, you're done. Like, like I like I was alive when yeah. I paid you. I was yeah. happy. You said, oh, you told me, Steve, I got your payment. Everything's cool. I'm yep. waiting for you to pick the bike up. Yep. <sighs> I'm dead. You take 5000 for dead Sleepy's bike for me? Well, that's what I'm asking. So, like, what is your I think that I think, the, I think what I would do, now that situation hasn't happened at my shop, but I think that what I would do is, first of all, I would ice that bike. I'm not selling it to anybody else. If I haven't started the title paperwork already, if I was waiting for you to come in and give me a signature or something like that. Know, but you don't know I'm dead. It's been like, exactly. I was like, I'm going to pick this up. So it was right. winter. It was winter yeah. in Cleveland. I yeah. bought it in January. Uh -huh. And I said, listen, I'll buy it today if you can store it till May. And you Did were you like, know? if you buy it today, I will store it until May. Do you know when this situation happens most frequently? It's not death. It's jail. Oh. So we have had more than one customer come in and purchase a bike, pay for the bike, or pay for a giant portion of the bike or what have you, and then do the same thing. And then we call, we call, we call, we call. Nothing. Crickets. Right? Mm -hmm. This phone has been turned off at the request of the owner, what have you. Right? Crickets. Now, he didn't give me a next to Kim when he bought it. Right. Of course. Who right? does? All right. No idea. And we got nothing. And so what we'll usually do is we'll usually ice the bike. We'll usually put the bike in the back and be like, who knows? Maybe you got hit by a car. Who fucking knows? Right. But we'll wait and we will wait and we'll ice a bike out for a year if we have to. If we think there's a chance that guy's going to come in. But the other thing, too, is we have to be ready in a moment's notice. If that guy comes in to write him a check and give him 100 percent of his money back. If we're selling that bike because he hasn't signed his title yet, the title's not been made in his name yet. It's still technically our bike. Well, legally, we'll refund how, his how long legally? So if you sold a bike to a guy on Monday, yep. um, 2020, January 1st. You don't even have to work that hard. I'll tell you how easy it is. So in the state of Ohio, we can get a mechanics lien on a vehicle that's abandoned in our property for more than 14 days. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. Yeah. So here's how it works. For you establish at your shop, whatever your daily storage rate is. Let's say for the sake of an argument, your storage rate is $50 a day. Okay. So $50 a day. So the guy, the timer starts. Okay. So after 14 days, at 14 days, if you wanted to, you could file for a mechanics lien against a vehicle. I at wouldn't recommend. dollars $50. Hold on. I wouldn't recommend doing it at 14 days. Okay. Okay. I'm going to let that go out a couple of months. Okay. One, I want to give the guy a chance to come in and buy the bike. 
Sure. It's right? Spike. He should pick it up. I want to give the guy a chance to come in. So I'm going to let it go out a few months. So let's say I let it go out 180 days. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I let it go out 180 days, that's a really long example, but it's a fun half number a to work with. Right? Half a year, six months. 9,000 bucks. Right. It's $50 a day. Right. Okay. So if we do that, it's 9,000 bucks. Now, all I got to do is if the bike is titled in his name, if it was dropped off for service, if he owned it, all I got to do is go to the state of Ohio and file mechanics lien against the vehicle, pay the taxes against the vehicle, and now I own the vehicle. Mm. So in most states, they have a law for mechanics liens. You can go ahead and do that. But if I had somebody abandon me, like, for instance, the guy who went to jail, the guy who went to jail, after two years of us just this guy just being gone, I felt safe enough to go ahead and sell the fucking bike. Mm. And I also originally said, well, if he comes in, I'll just write him a check for the money he gave me. Right. 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 But I can always say, look, I stored that bike for you for X amount of time. Mm. You, didn't you didn't call me. Your, your wife didn't call me. Nobody said you were in jail. Clearly, you didn't give a shit about your relationship with me. Now, most of the times when this has happened to me, the bike hasn't been paid for in full. A deposit has been paid or something like that. And then the guy goes to jail. So in that point, though, with storage, he's not getting any of his money back. Right. Yeah. It's unpopular. They're not happy about it. No, but, but it makes sense. It really yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, when you die, a lot of things get left open, right? So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird Smith. Yeah. You got a joke? I do have a joke. Wait, so I, uh, is it better than last week's, which almost got us canceled? That's what I'm well, well, you'll have to be the judge. <laughs> so a family walks into a hotel, and the father goes to the front desk, and he says, I hope the porn is disabled. The guy at the desk replies, it's just regular porn, you sick fuck. Nice. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite porn. I like that. That's fantastic. All right, I got one more. Cool. Superman is flying around the city horny as hell. He suddenly sees Wonder Woman spread eagle naked on top of the building. Superman thinks, this is my chance. He swoops down faster than a speeding bullet, bangs her, and is gone in the blink of an eye. Wonder Woman sits up and says, what the hell was that? The invisible man rolls off the top of her and says, I have no idea, but it hurt like hell. (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke. (laughs) Uh, Well, say thank you, Mrs. Smith. Thank you, Mrs. Smith. That's a fantastic joke. Hey, ask Mr. Smith. The other day I was working at my job, slave laboring, shooting plants and all the things I do. And I, I, I had a whole bunch of plants I needed to offload because we can't bring them back. So I dropped them off to Mrs. Smith. And, and Chris texted me and said, thank you for taking care of Mrs. Smith. It's the first time she's ever smiled and been happy. In oh, my God. So. Oh, and uh, not only did they drop the plants off, but I serviced Mrs. Smith as much as she needed to be serviced. Just helping you out, buddy. <laughs> you're you're, you're, you're not off. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful flowers, though. My goodness, whatever 
Are Here you, they are. Are you making sure that they are erect and 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 well watered and wet as they could be? Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, Mrs. Smith was on the Green Circle Growers website looking up what the best way to water the little fuckers is. <laughs> I guess it's, it's it's ice cubes. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the whole gig, man. Yeah. yeah. Little so lilies she, or um, are those uh, lilies? No. Are they lilies, Mark? Or she got orchids. Orchids, oh, orchids. yeah, orchids. She you got never use more than one ice cube with an orchid. And she got also the limited edition, nobody has it in the entire world, mini fucking pineapple. Thank you very much. Oh, that's cool. That's not cool. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you actually eat those if you cut them up and slice them up? I think you could, but I, I was already eating so much by Mrs. Smith, I had to leave. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what? Uh-oh. I could see those being like the perfect garnish for porco. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Little yeah. tiny, like a little on a stick. Oh dude! That's so yeah. Cool. yeah! Oh dude! I'm gonna little tiny pineapple rings. Oh dude! Monday, I'm fucking totally making that happen. The size I, of lifesavers. The, the thing with Stephen. Oh Stephen, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Holy shit, dude! Can you imagine having a fucking like? A shared fucking porco drink with a fucking mini fucking pineapple sticking out of it? Fuck yeah, man. Oh, that's, shit. That's incredibly cool. Oh, yeah. That's a fucking good idea. So oh, I'm going to get a raise out of this shit. Holy shit. Fuck yeah, dude. Thank you, John. I'm fucking working this angle on Monday, dude. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Did we hear uh, Did we hear anything back from our, our man, Matt Schuller? Who's Matt Schuler? <laughs> Come on. I'm hammered, dude. I don't know what's going on. I'm <laughs> fucking drunk. What do you want? Did you even text him, Sleepy? Uh, who? It's the guy that won the, uh, the Misfits. The oh, yeah, no, no, no. We haven't. I'm sorry. No, we haven't. I, I've texted him twice. I'm sorry. Yes, I've okay. texted him twice. Nothing. All right. I'm going to go ahead and give some, I'll give some backstory then. So uh, this, this handsome rogue that you'll see here in the white flip up helmet, uh, that's Matt Schuler. So uh, this dude, this dude right here, this hero, uh, this guy was sponsored by Cleveland Moto to participate in the uh, motorcycles and misfits numb nuts challenge. And uh, again, uh, the reasoning behind the, the Misfits Numbnuts Challenge makes no sense to me whatsoever. You do notice here on the helmet it says "fuck knock." <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> you know, um, you, you notice it's like he's a redheaded doppelganger for Cinch almost. Yeah, he's he's like, like if, the, he's like if Cinch and Bagel had a baby. I know. I was worried about that. I was concerned. I was like, okay. Yeah. So um, this hero, this hero contacted me. Um, he contacted me a month or so ago, and he said that he was going to participate in the Numbnuts Challenge. Which the, the whole idea, just to bring you up to speed, is that Liza had concocted this idea based on this guy that rode a Harley Davidson one hundred thousand miles in one hundred days. He did one hundred iron butts in a row, one hundred saddle sore one thousands in a row. 100,000 miles in 100 days. And while she was talking to this guy, she got a great idea in her head. She uh, said, why don't we do something uh, where we'll have, and people, we'll have people come out and we'll have them sit on their motorcycle 
um, for as long as they can, just sitting in place on their motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. So, none but then sense. none of it makes sense. There's okay. no, there's no elements that are affecting you. There's nothing. Right. It's like sitting on a. Fucking- uh, no, there was. There was. I. They were. She had posted that it got. It had dropped down to forty three degrees, and people were start starting to waffle because it was so cold. So cold. Right. <laughs> well, Again, nothing. Is, <laughs> there's no wind hitting you. There's no traffic elements. Whatever. I could sit on a fucking two inch pole for fucking twelve hours if you wanted me to. If I was gonna win money, I'll pay for that. If you paid for that, how much? Twenty bucks? No, a thousand dollars, motherfucker. For a thousand dollars, I will sit on a fucking three inch pole for twelve hours. Fuck you. Is it going to be rounded or is it going to still have the, like the standard, like opening? Hey, sleepy. Hey, hey sleepy. Bucks on that. <laughs> no, and no lubricant. <laughs> again, is it galvanized? It would make it worse. Splittery oak wood pole. No, no, these are your, no, you get to choose your own seat. no, no, we need to choose your pole. No, this is according to their rules. You said you would sit on a three-inch pole. We're holding you do that. Okay, We're picking well, the pole. Okay, a three-inch pole that's rounded at the top. For a thousand dollars, I will sit on it for twelve hours. No, I want it to be square at the top. How much? I will give you one thousand dollars to see that. Okay, bring it on. I'll film it. And let's do it. I'm down. You're going to have that pole coming out your fucking throat. You do not have that type of a shit snipper, dude. You do not understand. My bang hole has never been banged. It's fucking tight as shit, dude. I'm You're not allowed to put a board down your pants or anything. No, 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 no. That going to slowly come out of your mouth. That was a fucking medieval torture. They would put put people on a grease pole and let them fucking impale themselves. You're not three inches. Three inches is this big. Oh my god! Three inches will slide up your ass like fucking. Three inches is like that fucking big, dude. What are you talking Uh, about? I'm talking three inches around, twelve feet long. No. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. Check your text message. Uh, Yeah. I'm looking at it right up. All right. Three so, inches round, 12 feet long. So and this is what this is exactly what I'm talking about. When we when we say something as simple as how did it go from a guy rides a motorcycle 100,000 miles in 100 days to a bunch of people sitting on motorcycles in a parking lot? You guys just gave the exact example of how it ends up there. And that is somebody makes a ridiculous statement. Liza said she could probably sit on her motorcycle for 36 hours in a row or some nonsense. And somebody else says, I bet you can't. And next thing you know, they're talking about, oh, you totally can, you know, well, let's do it. Let's have a contest. Let's see who can sit on a motorcycle for a real fucking long time. And the idea was was rather than have people be riding on the motorcycles where you have no control over anything, you put all the idiots in one spot and then you simulate riding by like, you know, spraying water at them occasionally or whatever. So the uh, the long and short of it is, I believe that um, 
when this was announced, they started having some rules. So they started having a couple of rules, like you had to keep one foot on a peg or some shit. Your, your, your ass had to be in the general vicinity of the seat. And maybe they're going to give you a five minute break every hour to go pee. Right. But you could do anything you wanted to, to your bike, center stand, fine, extra batteries to run your PlayStation or whatever. That's fine. Whatever. Um, heated gear probably would have been a good idea. Uh, so again, it happened. So they, they had this idea. And because it's Santa Cruz, they can do shit like that January 29th and not die of exposure. Um, Liza talked a good game. She said she was going to be able to do it for about 36 hours. And I think she might have been the first person out. Yeah. But Matt, we would have to ask Matt about that because he was there. So and not only was he there, but he was our rider. So we sponsored him. Uh, we sent him, he, he didn't have a modular helmet. And for this event, you got to have a modular helmet because you got to eat and all kinds of cool shit too. And so I sent him a modular helmet. But first I put Cleveland Moto stickers all over it. And then I gave him a stack of Cleveland Moto stickers to put all over everything to annoy the shit out of Liza. And uh, that worked. Uh, Liza called me. She was very upset that she had all these Cleveland Moto stickers that appeared all over her operation. <laughs> so well done, Matt. Uh, fucking great, man. So that's the proper spirit of Cleveland Moto. And then in the other proper spirit of Cleveland Moto, he won the fucking thing. So good for him, man. Good for us. We backed the right team. So, uh, yeah, we uh, were trying to get him in here. So I don't know if you have you had any contact with him. No, I haven't. I actually just sent him more uh, more texts, but nothing retired. Nothing. I'm going to give you his email address because that might be a faster way to get it to him. It's real easy. So uh, maybe that will work because he communicates with me both ways. So the uh, but again, this is one of those things. It sounds like a completely stupid fucking thing, but with the right motivation or the right challenges anything like you guys sitting on a three inch fucking pole can become a challenge no it's right? not you guys it's, it's him there's no fucking way i'm sitting on a three inch pole no and that's hey, the thing is i got a I was, front hole dude I'm if good. i would if i wouldn't have been skiing in new york if i wouldn't have already had plans to be skiing in new york i was gonna fly to fucking santa cruz just to be a monkey wrench in the fucking works of this ridiculous competition and people are like, are you going to do it? I'm like, I'm not going to fucking do it. I'm going to fuck with everybody who's trying to do it. Wait, you know? can we bring yeah. these fuckers to our area and have them do it in February? Like in a few weeks? When like they're like, oh my God, it got cold. It's 47 degrees and there's like a slight breeze from the ocean. Ah! Yeah. ticket. It yeah. was uh, when I left the shop today, it was 15 degrees and a 20 degree wind. Uh, the other day, obviously, I woke up in the morning and it was negative four. You know? So it's like it's supposed to go down to zero tonight. Yeah, it'll go to zero tonight for sure. And not only that, but again, easily two feet of snow. Well, really, so let's let's tell people one of the reasons that we're not doing this in person, because most of us have been vaccinated. Most of it had COVID, whatever is the snowmageddon was proclaimed for the last few days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, most people haven't gone to work. There's, like, right. people with a set. Like, for me personally, my car was covered in 5.5 feet of snow this morning. It was fucking crazy. 
So, you know, we live in a place that's very volatile of weather situations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's and what's it's very hard. We're talking about riding motorcycles in circles, pit bikes in circles with fucking screws in the tires. Yeah. We're talking about snowmobiles like like this is what we're doing to get our fucking yayas out. Yeah. At a time of the year when normally we would just be sitting on the couch eating carbs and and catching up on you know ancient episodes of you know firefly or something right i love uh, firefly I, okay I love Asia. nick was here to talk about he's talking about the i'm i call it pasha but he was talking about having us come down to get it rent a camp or something and do a ride down in north carolina yeah maybe in the early spring i'm into that and that whole i mean that whole thing is it's going to be 15 degrees 20 degrees warmer there than it is here so I was great. for more. <laughs> well, okay, and yeah, probably more. Yeah, we used to do an event in January. We used to do an event January sixth weekend called "Freeze Your Balls Off," and it was down in Chapel Hill. And so every year, January sixth, we'd go down to "Freeze Your Balls Off," and I had a little Honda Civic. Uh, here we called it a Civic Wago Van. Uh, in Japan, they call it a, a Civic Shuttle, but I had a Civic Wagovan, and with the seats taken out of the back, I could fit a Vespa in the back perfectly, 38 miles to the gallon or whatever. And yeah, I went down to Chapel Hill in January, and yeah, it was like 60 degrees, t-shirt weather. Um, fantastic, great way to get, you know, get your yayas out in the middle of the goddamn winter. And they're, so, all wearing co- they're all wearing Arctic coats down yeah, there. It's, they're fucking terrified. It's like, oh, it's awful. It's rotten. And then the one year it actually did snow in Chapel Hill that weekend. And that was the last time we did freeze your balls off down there. So, yeah, they called us on our bet. But, yeah, it is for, for people that live where we do. We've got to figure out some way to not fucking go crazy. Like, that's just it. You know, I've got three projects going at the same time at my shop. I'm working on three different motorcycles, you know, to give myself something to do to, to you know, not go crazy. Right. Because it's not like anybody's coming into the shop. Everything I'm doing is over the telephone. Uh, every bike I'm selling is out of state. So, you know, it is. It's a, it's a wild, you know, it's that time for us. A Porco cast would be in order. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The uh, he uh, he's made that wide open to us, and I think that that's a good thing. Uh, what we are doing is uh, we're Porco's doing a trip Monday night, and I don't know if it's actually coming together or not. Or Monday during the day, Monday at eleven a.m., I'm driving a van full of idiots to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we're going to Max's uh, tiki room. And we're going to go there and it's insane. It's the craziest tiki bar I've ever been to. Uh, but we're going there and we're going to stay the night. So there's a hotel right next door in downtown Grand Rapids. We're going to spend the night and then the next day, like do some cool stuff in Grand Rapids and then come back. So it's a one overnight quick trip, you know, five hours, five and a half hours to get there five on the road. So uh, what's that? Phil's mega bus. Yeah. Well, the, the weird thing is I don't have any seats in my van. So my van is completely devoid of seats just yeah so people are gonna have to be like okay camp chairs or 
it's a love fest, man. It's a shagging wagon at that point, you know. Just get get jiggy, get crazy, whatever you want to do, man. It's going to be bring nuts. Bring up painkillers. Yeah, right. Bring up a giant jug of painkillers and let the people get to know each other in the back. And we'll have a whole new variant of COVID by the time we get back from Grand Rapids. <laughs> Nobody's got Omicron. Everybody's got herpes. It's so weird. You hear about the new herpes? Or not the new, new herpes, the new AIDS? A new AIDS. There's a new AIDS out, and it was caused by, uh, I don't know, some type of vaccine. And it's like it's 20 times more potent than AIDS. If you get it, you have full-blown AIDS like almost instant, instantly. Wow. Wow. I hope they have it under control. I mean, I don't know if... I don't know what the spread of it is, but it's like it is so. Oh, it's from the it's from the AIDS vaccine. They had an AIDS vaccine, and it actually caused a more virulent, uh, like in a certain number of people, it causes a more virulent uh, AIDS. It causes like uh, twenty times worse AIDS in the people that get the vaccine. So vaccine-resistant AIDS. Can we put out some sort of listener warning on that last statement? Yeah, I think we should. Probably. Probably a decent idea. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay, sorry. This is uh, (laughs) fake news. (laughs) I'm 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 Mark Dave. The... uh, Yeah, that's one of those ones I would would hate to publish that in the way of... I would like to remind our listeners that everything that is contained within Cleveland Moto podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> bullshit. And probably induced by alcohol. <laughs> so it was the alcohol talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> it really was like monkeypox. So I'm sorry. I, I got it st- confused. I stand by my declarative statement that I hate the Honda Navi, even though I haven't ridden one yet. So <laughs> That's probably where I got the AIDS from. I will stand. I will stand behind my decision, but I'm going to make a declarative statement. I do not like that bike, <laughs> even though I haven't ridden it. Yeah, so. it's, it, it, when you can get a buddy for the same price without all the bullshit, and the buddy just gets faster and better and everything. Yeah. The Honda Navi, like, listen, I'm a hot. Like, I love Honda. I just like John and other guy. I love Honda, but the Navi thing is just not worth it. It's just not. Get a buddy. Buy a buddy from Phil. Call Phil at Cleveland Moto and buy a fucking buddy and save your money because the Honda Navi is not as good. Well, and here's a here's some insider baseball thing for people that aren't paying attention. Two big things. We're talking about scooters. We'll just fucking go into a scooter cast for a second. Two big things about scooters. First thing is fucking scooters. Prices are going up like crazy, guys. If you're used to buying a Buddy 125 for twenty six ninety nine, forget about that. That that shit's over. I bought my um, Buddy for seven hundred dollars with three hundred miles on it. And you yeah. ran out of gas and in Cracktown. No way, that was uh, Dan ran out of gas in Cracktown. I still love that bike. I will never sell my Buddy. Fuck you. I love my Buddy. It's the best eight hundred bucks I've ever spent in my life. Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. If if I would have told you I was out of gas before we left, there was no place to get gas there anyways. The place oh. you took us, Steve. No, by the brewery, there was a gas station. Oh, I thought you said there was no place there to get gas. No, not in between there and there. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Steve. And I've learned my lesson with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Hoffman, Hoffman's Wh- which one? 
Keep your tank Lots of them. Keep your tank topped off. Like, we have to realize that he's not as cool as he thinks he is. Hopper was like, he took a gallon of gas with him on his monkey one time. It was like, oh, shit, I ran out of gas here, but I have a gallon to get home. And that was it. But he never told us that. When no, we- I told you to fill up. I told you to fill up. And you said, I, I filled up, up, you motherfucker. And I, went, I ran out of gas eight miles before your house. Eight miles. You could have been like, there is no fucking way you're going to make it. I told you there was no fucking way. Hey, did I tell you how far you were going to be away from the house when you ran out of gas? Yes. Maybe. I said, maybe. Miles away from the house. When you run out of gas and you ran out eight miles away from the house, I told you exactly how you far might have the math backing you. You might have the math backing you, but as a human being, I'm still sad. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, I got to spend some quality time at the meth lab. Yeah, there you go. So Dan, so when Dan ran out of gas, no, Dan ran out of gas in front of a mobile home that had fucking, like, red phosphorus leaking out of the front of it. It was fucking, it was pretty intense, man. (laughs) That was fun times, though. That was one of my best memories of that fucking week, man. The Hills Have Eyes guys was a blast. I'm ready. I'm absolutely 100% ready for a a hillbilly weekender kind of thing. So, So, yeah. So, Steve, why are we going out to Snowmobile at fucking Speculator? The house is done. Let's go, man. Fuck. Now that John has me addicted to snowmobiling, I want to go and fucking Snowmobile in the Adirondacks, man. <laughs> in, in the what? Yeah. Adirondacks or Adirondacks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right here. You need you need right here. There you go. You man. need another beer. Have an addictomy. There's like eight eight of round dicks or something. They make great chairs. Hey, oh, dude. Hey. 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 Our hero. Oh, yes. That was easy. Oh, that was easy. Better. Barely an inconvenience. No, this is the guy, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Cool. Wow, nice to see all of you guys and put some faces on the names. And yeah, uh, hey. yeah. thanks a lot for having me, Matt. I'm going to tell you, these guys have spent the past two weeks busting balls about the Numb Nuts Challenge, and every single person in our podcast, except for me, um, basically said it was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard of. Oh, very dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so they were dead on. Sleepy wants to sit on a three-inch pole for like 24 hours. Yeah, I was, I was worried. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So the problem is, is that this dude looked exactly like me before I shaved my fucking beard, so I could have won that. I'm just saying, he is, the, the you know, we could have done the same thing. The general rule is the longer the beard, you get the wizard status. He's got wizard status. He does. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, Matt, where are you from, man? And he survived Liza, which we all know how hard it is to survive Liza. I am from Daly City uh, via Wisconsin. Right. Oh. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, so Daly City is north of Santa Cruz by about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how fast y'all ride. 
Uh, but um, I moved uh, from Wisconsin to California in 2000. So I'm no, uh, no uh, stranger to cold weather at all. So I think that that was a bit of an advantage for me compared to some of the others that were local. Uh, are you from in Wisconsin? Uh, we're from right, right smack in the middle. You guys familiar with uh, Marshfield? Um, the bigger towns are Wausau, Stevens Point. Um, I'm originally from La Crosse. Okay, so yeah, I'm a straight shot east from La Crosse, pretty much. Uh, Driftless region, man. That is gorgeous, gorgeous place to ride around. Hell yeah. Just south of La Crosse, or no, south, uh, south, uh, southeast. So yeah, I'm familiar with that area. And so, lots of windy roads along the river. Excited. We're so excited that you joined us because we've talked about you for about 25 minutes throughout the podcast. <laughs> and you are a hero. And Phil will fill you in on why you are a hero. But there's a very important thing that happened here, and you are a dude. So, Phil, take it away. So, ultimately, the reason why this whole thing was hilarious. Um, so, Matt reached out to me about a month ago, you know. And he was kind of, he was real cool. And he's like, I, I just, I, I want to represent Cleveland Moto in this event. And I was shocked because I'm also a Misfits listener. So I listen to their podcast. I obviously I love them dearly. And I figured that they were going to have the event like, you know, in, in March or April or May or something like that. <laughs> I had no idea that like from the, time of from the conception of the idea from from the baby the brain baby that Liza had and I, I i listened to the podcast where the whole thing came together and it was not well thought out <laughs> and from the time that they came up with the idea to the time the event happened was about five weeks six weeks it came together pretty fucking quick so there was some question about like, holy shit, like we can't respond to this the way we normally respond to things, which is like, sure, we'll send you a fucking helmet. And then like six weeks later, we're like, did we send that guy a helmet? Like <laughs> it was kind of like, oh shit, we got to send him a helmet real fast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we grabbed a helmet that, you know, didn't have too much blood in it. It was, it was okay. <laughs> and we stuck some stickers on it and, and hastily basically put fuck knock right on the top of it because. Fuck and then up. we shipped. Yeah. But we shipped it off to him. And this guy's a gentleman. He's like, look, if we, if I win or anything else, I'm going to donate some money in, in your name to your, your charity. I was like, you don't have to do any of that shit. He's like, I'll send you money for shipping. No, don't fucking do it. If we could fuck with Liza remotely <laughs> or anything less than $1,000, game on, right? Because there's nothing I like better than winding her up. It is my favorite thing in the world. So I do love it. And because uh, you don't usually win with Liza. <laughs> you said you're a Cleveland oper- you're a Cleveland Moto operative. You're an asset. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, as, as in your ass set on that bike for a really long time. Oh, I put the ass in asset. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, tell- God, yeah. So, okay, so because everybody who listens wants to know because they haven't posted it yet. So they haven't posted it yet. First of all, your chosen steed. Chosen steed is a 2002 Honda VFR 800 Interceptor uh, in Italian red. It's a gorgeous looking bike. It's the uh, first model year for the sixth generation. Yes. Um, 
Nice. You have the, uh, it's got VTEC, which kicks in at about 6,800 6, RPM, so it gives you a nice kick in the pants when you're out, giving a little bit of throttle. Um, honestly, I was a little worried about that bike because I wasn't as familiar with it as I would have liked to. I've only picked it up within the last year or so, and um, I'm still, still a little intimidated because I'm a short guy, 29-inch inseam, and uh, that I can't flat foot that bike. So I was like, man, is this going to work out for me? Well, either way, I'll have fun. But uh, yeah, it had a Corbin seat on it. Um, it actually ended up being a pretty good lay-on, sit-on bike for uh, for the most part. So yeah, there's a nice picture of it right there. Hell yeah. Um, that, was, uh, that thing has surprised and delighted me since I've gotten it. And uh, it's a wonderful bike. So I want to just point center out stand. center stand must have been crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody had a center stand except for one guy on a newer CB 500. Uh, they got him a, uh, a, uh, a, a, a spool stand that they put on the back, which uh, kind of played a big part towards the end of the contest. I don't want to spoil anything, but it was well, important. So that set up. So I'm curious because I would assume that you're going into this thing, planning on it being at least a 24 hour event, right? You, you yeah, got to yeah. think Liza was talking mad game about her being on the bike for 36 hours, mm -hmm. right? Her, the, the number she came up with when they started talking about it was 36 hours, a day and a half. And I'm like, wow, fuck man. Like that is opening strong. Like that's coming at it real big. So now what how did you did she, No, I was wondering how long did she last? Like we're going to get to that. Minutes? Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> what did you bring in the way of personal comfort devices, like extra electricity, heated grips, blankets? What did you bring for your bike? Uh, no extra electricity. Well, that's not true. I did bring some uh, smaller, like, uh, USB batteries. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't use them. Uh, never needed them. Um, no heated anything except some chemical hand warmers. You know, the, you know the ones you slip in your pocket or in a glove or whatever. So I had uh, six of those. I figured I could, uh, if I needed to go overnight three times, I could do it. I didn't plan on sticking around for more than like 72 hours, but uh, I, was, uh, I was prepared for it if I needed to. Um, <laughs> lots of layers, uh, button-down flannels. This is one of the flannels I wore because, you know, you can't slip much up and over your head after you got the big helmet on. And um, the heck else? Uh, blue jeans under my riding pants, wool socks, um, and uh, one down blanket, like a down-filled quilted blanket, and uh, one of those Mylar emergency uh, blankets, Ooh. those reflective ones. And um, if, if you're depending on that to save your life while it's still in its package and you don't know how to, how to use it, you're going to die. Because <laughs> it'll kill you immediately. <laughs> so that's yeah. not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Yeah, no, not exactly. I mean, if, if the wind's not blowing and uh, you got time to set it up right, great. If you're just, you know, trying to sleep on your bike and you crack it out of the package and try to wrap it around yourself, eh, not so much. So if you've got one of those in the glove box of your car, you're fucked. Absolutely. <laughs> so while the, while the low temperature was what, like 43 degrees? I think that's what the reported low was. I want to say it dipped around closer to like the upper 30s and the wind started to pick up around, uh, I want to say one o'clock in the morning. 
But time, but time was crucial. You know, you could be out in 43 degrees with a breeze for a couple hours, no big deal. But as time wears on, you, you start getting to the 10 or 12 hours, and that could really start to, you know, bring on hyperthermia. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, we weren't really too much worried about hypothermia. Um, at least I don't think so. At one point, it was just the only thing that kept getting cold were my feet because the stupid Mylar blanket kept blowing off of my feet. I was like, why are my feet cold? Everything else is fine. And then I looked down and the blanket's up over my knees or it's falling off of me entirely. I'm like, Bleh. I, but it I, did make a big difference then. So <laughs> it did work when you had it on. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to sell them short. They work when they're on you. Um, just you got to keep them on you. And it's good to have a piece of uh, insulation between you and that thing. They say it'll keep you alive, but it won't keep you warm if you're just using it by itself. Okay. So um, and maybe that shot of peanut butter whiskey I had earlier helped me out in that regard too. So. <laughs> nothing more about the peanut butter whiskey because I'll I, tell you. Okay, so nothing in the world beats a good nut liquor. Uh, something John hooked up a little bit in the, towards the later of the evening, and that was uh, that was a good one. I only had two alcoholic beverages, but they were throwing them at us yeah. every half hour, forty minutes. Who wants a beer? Yeah. Who wants a beer? Who wants a shot? Who wants to smoke? Who wants an edible? Screwball? We were drinking screwball. Screwball? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Screwball. I would have remembered that, but it was uh, It was a pretty tasty. I'd never had one of those before, so uh, I had to put it in my repertoire. But one of my kids has got nut allergies, so I can't have it at home. Can't have it in the house. Uh, question for you. So I had heard that there were going to be several challenges, several things thrown at you guys to make the job more difficult. And uh, so... Uh, I'm going to assume now this is just an assumption on my part. You rode your VFR down there. Did you have a support crew or a backup truck or something? I rode down uh, the night before and crashed at a hotel nearby and then came over there at uh, 730. Got there a little bit before 730 in the morning on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, but no support crew. No, I was on my own. Just what I brought my saddlebags, my backpack. And uh, wow. that was it. Um, I've done a few solo cross countries before between Wisconsin and California. So um, I wasn't too worried about, you know, being on my own. I, I kind of like it because I don't like being beholden to anybody else necessarily when I right. can help it. I don't want to be a burden on other people, but, um, but I guess I was enough of a burden on the, the rest of the gang. there competing to take home a trophy. So that was pretty nice. Well, uh, the biggest, that my reason why you wondering, you didn't have a support field. I mean, I know you're only an hour away, but, I uh, saw a lot of people had a lot of fucking gear, right? So you didn't have a ton of gear. You kind of were, were running literally by the seat of your pants. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, there were a couple guys on some uh, big BMW 1200s that had a pretty good kit out. Um, my uh, The co-champion, actually, he, <laughs> he had a portable camp stove that he could set up right on his lap. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty funny. I don't know if he actually busted it up, but he had like a workstation. Uh, he, he he was in it for the long haul. That was man. that was Sam on the BMW F series, right? That was Sam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got a he's got a BMW. Was that an F six fifty or an F seven fifty? He had uh, Sam. I, I, it was a twelve hundred. Oh, it was twelve hundred. All I could yeah. see was the swing arm, basically. So yeah, it was a big big BMW. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Him and his 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 buddy Alfredo, who was uh, one of yeah. the other guys there with the with a big kit. They had their BMWs loaded for bear. Uh, I saw the, pillows. I saw blankets. I saw orthopedic mattresses. <laughs> so break us through the basic rules. What were the, the core rules of this event? Because, yeah, okay, 
the people who are listening, you're just, oh, it's a big deal. You're sitting on your motorcycle. No, there's fucking rules to it. Go ahead and lay it out. Yeah, yeah, there were rules. And um, they they were clear and unclear at the same time. And sometimes they changed in the middle of the uh, competition a little bit, but uh, still the general ideas were the same. Uh, and I'll get into the challenges, too, that we mentioned before. Yeah. But um, basically, it was either ass in your seat or feet on your pegs. Okay. And uh, that, that was it. You could either be sitting down or standing up. Um, as we went through, it was like, okay, like, all right, if you're going to get up and like change around a little bit, stretch, it's okay if it's one foot on one peg, okay. but um, you, you can't touch the ground for anything. Um, you can put things on the ground, but you have to be able to reach them without getting off your bike and, and whatnot. So I was using bungee cords to tie things up and set them on the ground so I could reach over and, and pull them up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, one of the things I had attached to my bike was a, uh, a wide mouth uh, bottle, water bottle. So, uh, and I wrapped it with duct tape and they were like, um, what's that for? What are you going to use that for? I'm like, I, I don't know. We'll have 10, to 100. <laughs> so uh, other than that, uh, ass on seat, foot on pegs, and um, yeah, so one of the you were, so you couldn't like lay you couldn't lay down on the bike. You could if you had your ass on the seat, you could lay down on the bike. Okay, so um, ass on the seat. laying on their stomach, uh, <laughs> but uh, that would have been interesting. So yeah, you could lay down, you could recline, you could flip around, face the other way, uh, feet up on the handlebars or feet off the tail of the bike. Uh, I ended up sleeping for the most part with my feet off the tail. Uh, I flipped it around and tried to do feet off the handlebars too towards the end. Um, with the with the sporty kind of tank situation on the VFR, uh, that was bad on my back after a little while. But um, you know, it's an endurance competition. Nothing's going to be perfect, and you got to tough. You got to have your head higher than your feet when you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, otherwise the blood will come pool back into your into your head. <laughs> uh, no, it. Uh, yeah, it was it was flipping around trying to find a comfortable spot. Uh, rest of the rules were that was basically it. You couldn't accept anything from anyone except for drinks, water, beer, whatever could right. be given to you. You could request it at any time. Um, food could only be given to you at specific times, designated meal times by the okay. judging crew. Uh, and every two hours, you uh, you earned. If you stayed on your bike, you earned a five-minute bathroom break, and they gave you tokens for those. Okay. So uh, it was smart that most, most everybody started banking those right away. I think right. the first person broke the seal maybe after five and a half, six hours or more. So uh, me and you guys, Beamers, went 11 hours about without getting off the bike to use the bathroom. Wow. What, Holy what, crap. What point did you start to think, like, I got this shit? I Pretty early on. Um, as people started kind of loosening up and discipline started going out the window a little bit, it was pretty clear to me who the people who were going to be there for the long run were. Mm. Um, then I got surprised a couple of times um, by people just kind of, I, I think it was a function of just mental discipline. It was, mm. you had a beer or two. Who um, was that? Who, who you got you distracted watch? and you forgot what you're supposed to be doing and then you were done. Did you watch Liza or Nock leave and laugh extraordinarily hard? Nock uh, never showed up. So. No, I was going to say. It was right there on the helmet. Right, so who exactly. Did you, who did you laugh the hardest when they left and you were still left? 
Oh, man. Well, we were still, you know, by the time it was the two of us, the two guys, me and the other, and Sam were yeah. done. Uh, nobody was laughing on anything anymore. It was three o'clock in the morning. Everybody was like, just let's get this fucking over with. <laughs> so, uh, so question for you. So yeah. that f- the first challenge, you guys started at 730, 8 o'clock in the morning, if I'm correct, eight right? 8 o'clock in the morning. Yes, sir. 8 o'clock in the morning. So at what time did they throw you the first challenge? Nine o'clock in the morning. Whoa. Every hour there was a okay. challenge. All right. So uh, Emma would come around with a helmet bag that had a bunch of different uh, things in on paper. So oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah. Randomly, each contestant got a chance, uh, one per hour, right. to dip their hand inside the bag and pull out a piece of paper. And they had to read aloud what was on the paper. Uh, early, it was mostly stuff to promote the uh promote the, the the contest and do the live stuff so it was do a funny pose pose for a photograph on your bike um or sing karaoke like i did right. a superman pose with my blanket around my back uh, around my neck like a cape um one guy did like a sexy beach pose on his bike <laughs> it was pretty funny it was just goofy stuff to start with and when you pulled the thing when you pulled the ticket out did all them did all the participants have to do what was on the ticket or just that one victim it depended on the type of challenge. Some of them oh. were group challenges. Some of them were individual challenges. Um, I even pulled a fast one on the first time they made me pull it out because uh, some of them were like, you've won a T-shirt. And I go, oh, okay, cool. It's just like, you know, door prizes yeah. and whatnot. And I read it right away. Congratulations. You've won $1,000. Collect your money and leave. And uh, I-, I thought that was funny, but Liza yeah. didn't think it was funny. I think that's fucking hilarious, and that's exactly what we would do. Perfect thing. Of course, put uh, some that of in. the physical challenges were uh, stand on your pegs for ten minutes, which right. not not that tough, really. Right. But if you weren't concentrating, those are the types of things that would knock people out, and a couple people got knocked out on things that on the surface look simple. Yeah. But if you're getting cold or you're getting tired, and maybe not so simple anymore. Wow. Uh, we did one where it was uh, hands on the headlights of your bike. Uh, that was like five minutes. Stand on one foot on one peg for five minutes. Um, what else? One person got knocked out. It was hands on top of your head for 10 minutes. And he wasn't, uh, he wasn't paying. He must have misheard or not paying attention, but a function of fatigue. He let his hands come down to the side and they were like, wow. you're done. You're out. Wow. Um, another person violated the rules of not being able to accept anything from anyone except for food and drink, as uh, as indicated. When one of the burlesque dancers uh, handed him, I believe it was either her slip or her glove, and uh, when that burlesque was over, uh, <gasps> came up and said, "You're out." Oh my God! Yep. Do you think that was a plant? Do you think somebody said, "Go over and hand that person"? I asked about that and they said, no, it just happened. The girls, it was just random. What was interesting though was Sam, the other guy who uh, was the co-winner with me. uh, She approached him first and was like kind of teasing him with it. And he's like, I can't accept that from you. He like huffed away, turned around to the next guy and kind of gave it to him. And he picked it up out of her other hand and took it. And that was it. Those dancers are out to get you, man. I'm telling you, never trust a dancer. Never no, trust no. a boob. Oh, boob my God. So you were able to sleep? Uh, I wouldn't call it sleep. <laughs> I could maybe sleep <laughs> for three hours or so at a time. Um, it was enough, though, between that and, like, just taking a little bit of food for energy here and there and, you know, 
scooting around or distracting myself with uh, something on the phone or something with the books. Um, yeah. It wasn't, against, it wasn't against the rules to sleep, right? No, no, you can sleep <laughs> if you want to. Good oh, luck. Shit, I could win that contest. I could sleep for like <laughs> 72 hours straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've but, talked so to we, had, we had quiet hours. We had a conversation and he slept. Slept through like three quarters of it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, John's participating in the contest right now. The uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so question: How many hours was it before the first competitor booted? <clears throat> I want to say it was probably around ten to eleven hours. No, wow, wow. Ten, 10 to eleven hours. So in the, in in the neighborhood of maybe six or seven p.m. Right. Let's see. It There's was no shame in that. Before six. So it was probably uh, eight or nine hours. Eight or nine hours. Yep. And who was that? I'll let you guess who was the first person to go out. Eliza. I got Eliza. Yeah. Any other guesses? No. Everybody go with Eliza? Yeah, it was Eliza. Yeah. It was Eliza. Oh, I win. Wow. I get all the words. 36 hours like? down to eight or nine hours. Now, yeah. she, was it an accident or did she just say I'm done? It was a lapse of concentration. Uh, uh, really? So you guys know lines maybe sat on her stock Africa twin seat, which obviously is not ten, ten hours worth of sitting on. Oh, that Africa the twin seat was sweet. That wasn't the problem. That wasn't a problem. Oh man, it, that it, Africa it, twin seat. Awesome. He did see with the uh, with with the I can't remember what the uh, electronics were, but it, it it she can adjust it. Uh, it's, it goes to like an intermittent setting and it flashes how long the, the coils are on. It's a pretty cool setup. It's real neat. But um, so here's what happened with Liza. And I actually called her on it when I saw it. So my fault. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so they're setting up for the burlesque show. Right. And uh, Jim, Naked Jim is there. He's set, trying to set up a spotlight. And the spotlight is right next to Liza's bike in between her bike and the next bike over. And so she's trying, you know, God bless her. She's running a great show with this event and competing in it too, but trying to run the show at the same time as you're competing in it. And she was trying to help with the, uh, with the spotlight and yeah. to get a better angle on it. She sat back on her seat when she should have been standing up on her pegs during the 10 minute peg stand staff challenge. Oh, so, uh, middle of the challenge. She's trying yeah. to help out. She sits back on the bike and I'm like, why are you off your pegs? And that was it. Ooh. Oh, well, there you go. She was a great sport about it, though. She was yeah, that's cool. And you know what? It's 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 her idea. It, it, it would have been funky if she would have won the thing anyway. So I'm so happy that she and she probably was thrilled to be able to get off the bike. So then she could go around and be a part of the, the management of the whole thing. Oh, not just a part. She turned into the primary instigator for getting people out of there. I think she was like, you know what? I'm glad I don't want people anywhere near my property in 24 hours. And I'm, gonna I'm glad that you said it and I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an incidence of uh, mouth bigger than ass? <laughs> well, so, so that's pretty, I mean, that's, that is saying something. So, you know, nine hours in or whatever to the first person going burlesque, clearly that happened in the setup of the burlesque, right? Oh, the burlesque was a huge catalyst. It knocked out uh, two out of the seven, out of the seven yeah. Holy shit, really? You'd think that would be the, 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 the nice distraction to keep you happy and, and, and give you the energy to see your way through the night. Oh, I, I kept most people happy. Okay. <laughs> but two of them were really fucking pissed off. 
So the burlesque show was great. It sounded like Emma brought out some of her friends. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Emma and I believe Jim helped put together the uh, the uh, entertainment in that regard, and it was fantastic. Uh, it was uh, among the best burlesque shows I've ever seen uh, from a from a standpoint of the of the talent and the dancers and the fun that people were having. So yeah, yeah. I was pretty surprised, especially because it was you know fifty degrees in a parking lot. In a parking lot behind the Santa Cruz Police Station and formerly a dentist's office. Perfect spot for burlesque show. Perfect right? spot for burlesque. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Next to a temporary tent that's been there for 10 years. Temporary is a, temporary solutions are always permanent. Temporary solutions tents are always forever. <laughs> yeah, ask me about my uh, shipping containers. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> that shipping containers going no it's it's shipping days are done. So it's now a sitting container. So that's badass. Uh, any other notable, um, what do they call that? Painful eliminations? Oh, yeah. So, um, two hand, all right. So, on your pegs for 10 minutes, hands in pockets. You can't, uh, can't put your hands on the bike at all. You got to keep them in your pocket. Um, one of the dudes on the, uh, the big BMWs, uh, Alfredo, he, yeah. um, he had been enjoying a couple of drinks. I think he may have had an edible earlier in the day, and he was chatting with somebody. And those big BMWs have big center stands, right? They're high off the ground. So uh, if they rock, they can rock off their center stands. They rock forward. So he had his weight back on the bike, but he was talking to somebody. And uh, while while the challenge was going on, um, again, got a little distracted. (laughs) So he leans forward to say something to the person, and the bike starts tipping forward, and he instinctively grabs, reaches out to grab the front brake, and and then he's out immediately. And so he was a good sport about it, though. He hung around, had fun after that. I mean, everybody that got eliminated, they did. did they, you they fall over, it. though? Did you fall over to win it? Like, I did thought Pfizer posted something that you, somebody fell over that won it. It got down to three. Let me see. The eliminations were Liza with helping with the spotlight, uh, Alfredo leaning forward and uh, almost knocking the bike off the center stand. Um, Michael took the uh, took the clothes from the stripper. Uh, no, not Michael. Henry did that. Uh, Michael got it, let his hands come down from his top of his hat to his helmet. Henry then, took the offering from the stripper. Henry took the offering from the stripper. Which bike was he on? He's on a uh, police issue Honda ST thirteen. His ST, his ST thirteen hundred. We all know that bike, man. Yeah, yeah I think we've all ridden that bike. Yeah, <laughs> like Henry's awesome, man. And you know what? Henry would do that because Henry is a gentleman. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Henry was fantastic. It was great getting to know these guys. Like yeah. we're all strangers. You know, some of them know each yeah. other already. I didn't know anybody there. You're not strangers anymore. Nope. Yeah, it's weird. No, no, not at all. It's great. Um, what, what a fantastic group. And uh, the fact that they're uh, Liza and Emma and the rest yeah. of the crew are able to get all those folks to kind of form a community around. Super them. cool. Estimate to what kind of folks they are. It's, it's great. Um, so uh, the, the last elimination was Evan, who's a, a younger guy, the youngest guy there. And he actually lived in the old dentist office right across the parking lot. Uh, so his bed and, you know, and his uh, paramour were 90 feet away from him at any oh time. <laughs> uh, he was on the CB 500. So the one that didn't have a center stand, uh, he had himself ratchet strapped to the bike. <laughs> Hold the bike cover over himself and the bike. 
and proceeded to sleep. And his helmet was, he didn't have his helmet strapped on. So it was like sitting on the top of his head. So at that point it was me, him and Sam. And Sam was like, that helmet's coming off or he's coming off the bike. And I'm just, we're just going to sit around and wait and see what happens. I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, About two o'clock in the morning, Henry's trying to get on his side while he's sleeping. So he does that, but then he tips himself off the bike and there's there's slow-mo black and white night vision camera vision i've seen it so he starts tipping, and then the bike tips after and i'm i'm laying there and also i sit up and i'm like what the hell's going on i've got earplugs in because <laughs> i have earplugs in because stumpy john was supposed to be watching us right but yeah. he was asleep on an air mattress in the tent 10 feet away from us and that dude snores like a buzzsaw and it's not intermittent snoring. It is all the time snoring. Every Michael Fresh. <laughs> it's like Michael Fresh at lunchtime. It's lunchtime snoring. <laughs> oh, I get that guy a CPAP. Now, I'm going to get this just so I can get the visual. So Evan decides he's going to go into the fetal position yeah. on a motorcycle. Under the cover. The fetal yeah. but position. He's, but he's <laughs> under... A motorcycle cover yep. that he's using as a blanket. Yes. To give himself, basically, he's got a tent. He's, he's, yeah, he's got an improvised shelter. So he's got, <laughs> yeah. it, that thinking on that is solid. I mean, I love oh, yeah. every bit yeah. of that. And he's ratchet strapped into oh, it, too. Man. And you've got, I mean, think about it. You're literally strapped to the bike. Like, that's a pretty good idea. Like, to get yeah, a, a, a belt on and, yeah. and strap yourself in is great idea. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the idea of having a cover to have a motorcycle cover, that's like a one man pup tent. You could yeah, be getting all kinds of weird in there. Run the engine beforehand, you can get a little heat in there and it'll trap it in there. That's brilliant. Yeah. Were you allowed to start the bike up and let it run a little bit if you wanted? <laughs> Not after 10 p.m. So at like oh. 940, I cranked it up and I got the temperature up to about 220 degrees. Yeah. And, uh, and then shut it down at 10 o'clock. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, the cold was definitely something to deal with. Uh, once, uh, it, about after midnight, it really started cooling down the cold, yeah. cold. So uh, now after, now he takes a dive at 2 AM, right? So he literally takes a dive at 2 AM. Yeah. How long did you and Sam have to sit there and realize that you didn't actually have to win? Like, well, we, that was funny. Cause when there were five people left. We started chit-chatting about splitting it up five ways. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you know what? If everybody, if I'm the sticky wheel in this one, everybody else wants to split it, then, you know, I'm not going to say no to everybody every time I'm trying to have a good time. Right. But um, sure enough, people just start dropping out. So the people that were sticking out were like, well, maybe we should stick it, stick this through to see how it plays out. Right. And sooner than I think anybody thought, there was just three people left. And uh, we were talking about splitting it again. Uh, Evan had actually been the, the third guy. He had not been um, around when the rest of us were kind of chit-chatting about splitting it. So I'm not sure if he knew that, that we had been talking about that. But he would okay. have been included, too, uh, at that point if it would have worked out. But because of how he was, we were watching him, um, and all credit to him, he, he was in there for the long haul. But uh, fidgeting, the helmet, no center stand, it was, I think we can just wait on this one and... <laughs> <laughs> so it happened and then at 220 230 we wanted to make sure he was okay so me and sam were up making sure he was fine and stumpy john got up and made sure everything was fine and then evan like unstrapped himself 
kind of looked around and then immediately ran into his house and went to sleep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and Stumpy John immediately went to sleep after that. Uh, so, so no one else was sleeping because of the snoring and being woken up from the bike falling. Uh, Sam and I just kind of chit-chatting a little bit. And uh, he's like, well, what do you think? I mean, I'm like, oh, I can stick around. I'll, dawn is only a few hours away and I'm wide awake. So I'm, I can sit on the bike for a while. I'm not too worried about the cold. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel that way too. He's like, but I got to piss really bad. I'm like, <laughs> okay, do you want to wake John up and give him your tokens so you can go use the bathroom? Right. And he's like, nah, he just stands up and takes a leak right on the side, off the side of the bike. <laughs> and we were so dehydrated that the, the tracks from that urine followed the concrete in a zigzag pattern, the same contours through to the next day. Like it was stained. That was wow. some mineral rich urine. Oh, <laughs> So we kind of sat around, just kind of didn't know what to do. I was reading on my phone or playing word games or something. Yeah. And he's kind of fidgeting, and I'm kind of fidgeting. And I'm like, you just want to call this quits? Either him or me. And we were both like, yeah, fuck it. It's 500 bucks. <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> Part of it, though, too, was like, John was like, uh, right after Evan fell off his bike and John got up, he was like, so you guys, you guys going to call quits? You guys going to throw in the towel? And Sam was kind of like, you know what? No, because you're yeah. keeping us up, so we're going to keep you here. You're, you don't get to go home. <laughs> you're supposed to be on guard duty, man. Yeah. In yeah. the Army, if you fall asleep on guard duty, it's your ass. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, we just chit-chat a little bit, and about 3 o'clock, we told John to go wake Liza up, and, and, yeah. uh, and we were going to split it. And uh, even at that point, we both kind of did the one, two, three off the side of the bike at the same time. Nice. <laughs> But uh, cool. he gave me his word and said, I'll pay you out of my pocket right now. I'm like, no, man, that's fine. You don't have to give me that. I'll, I'll take your word for it. And that's we'll great. Split it. And uh, he went in and grabbed the uh, pullout sofa with Alfredo, yeah. who was already there keeping it warm for him. I jumped on John's inflatable that was uh, 10 feet away <laughs> in the tent. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of zonked out. But I couldn't sleep. <laughs> After all that, I could not sleep. So. <laughs> Literally, you had burned yourself out to the point where you couldn't sleep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like I finally got like a couple hours of sleep between like five and seven, something like that, and then um, yeah, and that was it. And then we wake up in the morning, and that's another story. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so morning rolls around, I start stirring. Liza had set up motion-activated yes. night vision cameras all around yep. the contest area, and um, and on like looking right at the bed where John was. Um, Oh, shit, my battery's running low. I might have to leave you guys here pretty quick. Uh, anyways, I still got a few minutes. Um, so this camera's looking at me while I'm sleeping. I don't know until later on. So I start waking up, and I get up, and Liza is just standing there, like 10 feet away from me, like staring down. I'm like, were you watching me sleep the whole time? And she's like, no, no, it's the camera. I can see you're getting up. But that was still a little creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys for a few more minutes well i'm gonna tell you i'm so happy that you pulled it off it's fantastic that that it worked out for you um so the guys in the podcast don't know that um what he's doing is he's making a donation to the cleveland food bank on our behalf oh thank you so much oh, thank, thank you, you. So, yeah, yeah my just, pleasure i i again 
I told him he doesn't have to do it because we probably wouldn't do it, but, but, but he's a better man than we are. Yeah. So, uh, that's super cool. And we really hey, come to mid Ohio. When is he coming to mid Ohio? Easy baby. Huey. We don't know. It's a long ways away. It is a long way away. Um, if I but could good- afford to come to Mid Ohio, I probably wouldn't have been sitting on a motorcycle for thirty six hours trying to. Oh, tell that Liza out. that you have to bring you to Mid Ohio this year. You're okay. Right. You're being fine. I've already been accused of being part of the group, so that's yeah. right. There you that's go. exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that the Mid Ohio thing obviously it's legendary, but it's legendary with good reason. So it's it's the kind of thing that there's nobody that goes to it. Well, very few people that go to it that don't want to come back again and try it one more time. So uh, if you didn't like it, you probably shouldn't have been there anyway. But uh, but it's a it's a great thing. And uh, Hill, about the the food bank donation, I wanted to do that as a thank you for sending out the helmet. I mean, you got you went out of your way to uh, to give some stranger uh, a, a piece of garbage that might. Help him win a thousand dollars. So no, we wanted to help fuck <laughs> over Liza. Everybody wants to fuck over Liza. We love her. But we want to fuck her over. Look, I'm going to tell you that helmet probably saved me a round trip airplane ticket. So- <laughs> Good investment. That might have been the cheapest helmet I ever gave away. So it was like, but it was funny when you said you're like, I kind of need a, a modular helmet, and I, I've got a big head and everything else. And I started looking through all of our, you know, the test ride helmets and stuff that we get, and uh, the the demo helmets and stuff. And I was like, we've got one. We we literally have got one sitting here. It's only been crashed once. <laughs> and it was perfect. And it was like, and I was not joking. I was like, I wouldn't send it to anybody for any event that was involved speeds over five miles per hour. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that it was a stationary event was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I was so happy. And my, you know, Renee sees me and I'm putting these stickers on the helmet and everything else. And I'm just kind of (laughs) giggling. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, I need you to send this to, to Santa Cruz fast. I mean, this needs to this needs to go out today. And she's like, what the? And I was like, I explained the whole thing. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And she literally said, she goes, I can't believe you're not flying out for that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you and me both. But I've, I've already got, you know, my dance cards full for G- uh, J- January 29th. So, yeah, super fun. I mean, really great. The idea sounds like a fart in church. I mean, there's nothing appealing about it whatsoever. But then you see that a bunch of people getting together and doing something stupid. It has its own magnetism. Yeah, it did. It drew a good crowd. There's probably, I want to say 25, 30 people there when the burlesque show was going on. And a lot of them stuck around. It was in and out, busy and slow. It was, it was pretty cool to see how many people would show up and just hang out, just chit chat and shoot the shit. So uh, yeah, like, sounds like the most harebrained thing, but it worked. It worked really well. I was I was impressed. I've done a lot of events in my career, and uh, for what this was, it worked out really well. It was well executed. I'm I'm super happy they did it, and and that is the thing. Again, all the events in the world, something original, something cool, something fun. Uh, I is one of my favorite things in the world to show up in Santa Cruz and just randomly show up on a Sunday to a Misfits uh, to a Misfits Day. And I don't tell anybody I'm fucking coming. I just, I walk up the driveway with like tacos and beer or whatever. And uh, I love it because you're always going to get the strangest, like every Sunday, it's a mixed bag. You have no idea what's going to show up. 
And like yeah, the one yeah, Sunday yeah. I showed up completely unannounced, there was all the electric motorcycles and an Ergica, you know, a lightning, every fucking electric motorcycle was there. It just was a thing that was happening. It wasn't scheduled. And I got to meet some of the coolest people and have a great time with, you know, live wire, all the electric bikes were in one spot. And that's the kind of stuff that happens at that Santa Cruz thing on a Sunday. So it's really great. Liza's, you know, I bust her balls all the time and, you know, it's fun, but, but she's put together an, a magic thing and we love her for it. I mean, everybody there Absolutely. is so fucking cool. And the fact that you went in and just won, uh, awesome. Well done. Extremely, we like, we extremely well done. <laughs> Thank you for your help. I appreciate yeah. it. It was a blast, man. Happy to represent. Hey, my I, computer is dying right now. Um, thank you so I, much, Matt. I, we appreciate you coming on board. We won't say anything bad about you when you're gone. I promise. <laughs> all you want, man. I've heard it all. All right. Thanks, thanks you, legend. Fellas. Thanks, man. Take we'll it easy. Hopefully, I'll see you in the middle Cheers. aisle at some point. If not this year, who knows? Or we'll see you out there. Sleepy and I got to go out and do interviews. Awesome. Let me know, man. Cool, man. All right. Good night, fellas. Have a good one. Take care. So there you guys go. That was uh that was our numb nut. That was awesome. That was awesome. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm, I was gonna say. I we backed the right horse. That's all we got to say. Yeah, yep. man. Yeah. How so, cool of a fucking guy can you get? Like, that's exactly the it. Yeah. Guy ever. Yeah, that's really cool. So there are events happening in the middle of winter. You just got to be willing to go to them, I guess. There you go. Yep. But sleepy, we are not going to sit on a three inch pole. Okay. Uh. You can sit on a three-inch pole and tell us how it goes. We're not going to sit on a three-inch pole. Don't even try to talk us into it. We're not going to do it. I'd rather ice race and, f- and film it since John missed all my fucking awesomeness. That's all I'm saying. The, uh, so I don't know. What's the... What's Nobody our- is more sorry about that than me. <laughs> so I have I have another Motor Stories with Uncle Phil with John... Which is a great episode because he's answering a person's question. But before we answered that, we also filmed the awesomest ice racing situation ever. Except for that John hit stop recording every time I was doing my thing. Well, so I didn't know was the camera on. I thought it was off. So I was turning uh, it off. I'm just saying. So I was risking my life in a death spiral that was at least 17,000 RPMs. Was it a GoPro? <laughs> it was a, a, a DJI Osmo 1. The so whole thing on any camera in the world is the, there should be a red light on the front that's flashing on every right. camera in the world. If it doesn't have it, it's substandard. I don't want to talk about well, it. I have footage. So of the, the person that I was filming would have been able to see the red light flashing or not flashing and say, hey, numbnuts, turn the fucking camera on. Well, I, what I have is I have you scratching your nuts and then also like, adjusting your asshole to move the underwear over, but I don't have me doing the fucking flamingo dance. So. Yeah. So what are you guys doing Sunday? Well, no, you're coming over to do stupid shit. Okay. And then if we can I'm also- Sunday, I can't stay past five. Okay. No, let's make this early and I will tell, because Phil gets, so John, my neighbor works on RTA buses. So when I told okay. him that you used to work on Cleveland fucking cop buses, he was like, holy cop shit, this, this guy is my hero <laughs> in life. 
And so, like, he's telling me about all the bullshit that he has to deal with. So this dude came from working from Ford to working for fucking the Cleveland RTA system. So this little yeah. fucker leaves at 4 a.m. and gets home at 2 or whatever. I don't yeah. know. All right. So the long and short of it, the long and short of it is, looks like we're getting together on Sunday. Yeah, so let's bring all this. Ride shit. some dirt bikes. Ride some dirt bikes on the ice and have fun. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. sounds great. And uh, I'll I'll try to get out there by noon to one ish. I don't care. I'll be up at ten. Come over anytime after. Okay. Well, that sounds great to me. I love the idea, man. I'm 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 all in. And if we're good, if you guys are all good, we'll bring Doctor Waters out so we can record a uh, Moto Stories. Oh no, we have to do that too. That no, but I need to know that because we have to make it look good. People are mad. They're mad that we went from fucking cinema. To like me and John. Look, man, I'm gonna tell you right now. Recording a couple episodes with a GoPro in a garage. Hey, sleepy, sleepy. People aren't mad. One person is mad. Okay, the one person is mad. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't even look. I don't even. I I don't follow that. You didn't tell me. No. What I know for a fact is that people aren't mad. One person is mad. Everybody's happy that. That's the way the internet works. The way the internet works is. One person is mad. Let me put this out there. Everybody's really happy that John is answering questions. Yep. But they were like, obviously, Phil is like, he hates you, and he will <laughs> never do another story again. And I'm like, no, it's been fucking three weeks, and the motherfucker's on vacation, and go suck your dick. He has great stories coming up. So I've just been but, sitting back enjoying Fernando's videos oh yeah no yeah 100 percent. so nickel diving is fucking great i had a fun yeah. time shooting that and that's yeah. great but i'm so just what saying, saying is they're tired of the filler yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, okay. they're so sick of how attractive john is they're like every time i tune in to fucking motor stories Rocky phil i get this super attractive fucking john guy and there's no phil <laughs> And so we have to fucking remedy that. That's the important go. part of this whole thing. Sounds sounds like a program. So um, any who all who all's gonna be here on Sunday? Do we have any idea? Any everybody? Anybody? You all, all right. need to fucking I'll try to come out on Sunday. Yeah, I'm working now. The reason I wanted to say that just just the reason I had to say it is because I wanted to make sure if we say we're all gonna be there, we have to remind Dan to not show up at six p.m. Yeah. Right. All right. That's when he wakes up. Past everybody else. (laughs) That's exactly it. Because honestly, John, me and Sleepy, we were done. I mean, we were finished. We were finished and we hung around. We were like, so when do you think Dan's going to show up? And we didn't say that one time. We said that fucking 63 times. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, somebody walked across Sleepy's backyard and I was like, I think that's Dan. And I was like, I I blew a whistle. I whistled or something. I was like, I think that's Dan. And it wasn't Dan. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't Dan. Uh, So, but the point being, just letting folks know, we might not be there at 6 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely can't be there. I would have to be gone by 5 because there's things going on. (laughs) So, I mean, it is going to be fucking warm, though. I did look. It's going to be like... Mid-30s. Well, John John has already done burnouts through the rear tire sinking down four inches in ice. So like he And are the screws still all on the tires? Oh yeah. All the screws. Amazing. 
When I sunk through the ice, I was sinking through the ice. There was a, yeah. there was a soft spot. It was that warm day, yeah. and I was riding, and all of a sudden, I went, gah, gah, gah. I was like, eh. And so I parked the bike, and then I went back over there, and I could feel the whole thing going, Grr. I'm like, ooh, but, ooh but, spot. My porch. Once you clear the snow so, off, once you clear the snow off the porch. Quad, it was fucking, you can really, once there's no snow on ice, you can throw it into the corners. Yeah. We were third gear, solid, full throttle on the shit. It was fucking. That's why we need a Zamboni, man. I'm telling you, we got to have a Zamboni. Well, yeah. gov deals. I was trying to see if I could like run a shovel on the mini quad, and but it just didn't work. I couldn't do anything with that. Yeah. But the little quad did kind of a good job with the chains. It sort of dug things up and flattened it out. Like oh, yeah. it did help groom it. Good idea. Yeah. That, that straightaway, like the start starting point in the straightaway, I smoothed that out with the back of the shovel. So hopefully it'll freeze. You know, flat. Okay. Um, cool. We'll see how much snows on it. It might have a fucking twelve foot snow. Drift. No. When did the H get in snow? Snow. <laughs> I'm just saying, I better see you motherfuckers this weekend. That's all I'm saying. I'm, just I'm in. Ready. All right, so that's it. Anybody got anything else? I think that's a good one, guys. I'm going to call 361 done and in the can. Um, from all of us here to all of you out there, um, tonight's guests fantastic absolutely awesome gotta love matt good job uh well done well fucking done uh pay attention if you are not a patreon member strongly consider becoming one you can participate in this crap we'll read your messages maybe you can give us great intel on shit we didn't know was happening we love it uh go to patreon.com look at cleveland moto aside from that ride fast and take chances Bye-bye. 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 B